Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and this is the 103rd episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This week, we're taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover the 2080 annual 1984. As always, annuals are dated for the year after they come out, and this is the seventh 2080 annuals. Increasingly, we're seeing these annuals feature writing and art by mainline creative teams and the filler material being like classic 2080 thrills instead of weird legacy comics. Um, this annual is once again a little cheaper than the shorter Dread annual, though at a £2.50 it costs the same as it did la- uh, last year. But the most important thing about this annual is that I'm looking at it with Stephen Green, the uh, co-director of Search Destroy, the Strong Team Dog fan film, and cinematographer of Judge Minty, the Judge Dredd st- uh, fan film. Welcome, Steve. Thank you very much. I- I'm-, I'm really glad to be here. It's uh, it's taking me back. Sort of, I haven't... haven't- looked at this annual in quite a while but uh yeah it's it's going to be fun awesome so uh i guess i should i ask everybody um what is your like 2080 story like when did you start reading it like what's your uh, history with with the prog and others and and other products uh well i I mean i uh i mean i've sort of started with prog one i mean prior to that i was sort of reading action you know the oh yes of course to, to 2000 ad so uh when that when that folded and yeah i was always nuts about dinosaurs so i think my mum saw you know dinosaurs <laughs> on the cover and go oh, of he'll, course he'll like that you know so uh, <laughs> yeah so like you know dinosaurs eating people it's sort of uh, a, oh so you were pretty you much were the, a no-brainer for any sort of any kid in the in the 70s you were the archetypal kid that we talk about who's in the focus yeah, group I'm, saying I'm that you like cowboys and dinosaurs and so they made flesh <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I guess I must have seen sort of uh, Valley of Gwangi sort of, uh, you know, so, you know, always like, you know, like the Ray Harryhausen sort of things, so mm-hmm. like Monsters and Godzilla and, and any of that sort of thing, you know, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember whether the Star Wars comic adaptation came out before 2000 AD or not, but... No, I, because I think we, it'd be we after, get it after, yeah. All, all, yeah. Well, we we didn't get the film until about a year after the states, mm-hmm. and I, I read I read I read the comic uh, adaptation before I'd seen the film. Oh wow! So yeah, seventies kids don't care about spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a different sort of thing, I guess. I remember um, even you know I'm a I'm an eighties kid, but I remember having like uh, the novelization of movies and things like that, just because like oh, you yeah, didn't because yeah, like it takes well, yeah. We yeah Color photos in the center. Exactly. It's just because even though like there were like there was like VHS, like often to be like two or three years before a movie came out, like on on VHS. So if you wanted to like interact with a movie after it left theaters, you had to get like a book or a comic book about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was very sort of like sparse. I mean, you know, whether it was uh, you know albums of like you know audio sort of right. uh, albums like cassettes or. Even just like little clips on sort yeah. of um, you know film programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was like one called Screen Test, which uh, which is sort of like a quiz panel show for kids. Then they had like a bit of Star Wars on there, just showing the same clips over and over again, <laughs> sort of like devouring it. Right. Yeah. So. But so uh, you, see- I mean, com- compared to nowadays, when you know you, you get like teasers and trailers and everything. I'm telling you, so- no one every no one knows how good they have it in comparison to kids from ten years <laughs> before them, right? <laughs> Oh, but, yeah. but so you said that that you were re-experiencing this annual. Did you have it like when you were a kid, yeah, like yeah, in 1984 I'm, I'm, or 83? Yeah, I think I think it's my original one. I've got a few that uh, I've kept, and I've got a few that I mean, I 
I pretty much chucked out a lot when when we moved when I was about fifteen. I, I sort of chucked out pretty much all my old progs uh, from <laughs> like you know one to well. I mean they were sort of disintegrating. Yeah, well. I mean went, you know I'm a I'm, shape. yeah I'm I'm a big believer in people throwing things out. It makes it more collectible for everyone else. That's why I always <laughs> I always I always like like read my stuff hard and I don't really feel bad about it because I'm like ah I'm just making it more valuable for other people. <laughs> it's like my yeah. my service oh, yeah, to the world. Uh, but I, I tended to keep the annuals. I mean, even some of the like the early ones. I mean, I'd, I'd coloured in stuff and sort of things mm-hmm. like that. So they they were pretty much wrecked by the first couple of. Uh, maybe it's just uh, me sort of uh, rebelling against the Phantom Patrol being in there. I thought like, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh this man, I'm just going to colour it. <laughs> I don't care if it's the Phantom Patrol. That's that's um, super fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't even remember like at the time whether I thought, yeah, there's something not right about this, but you know, you probably got that inkling and go, yeah, this feels weird and not of, not of the prop. But anyway, so that that's the past. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I had a few, and I, I think this one, I think I've, I'm looking at it. It looks like my handwriting in like one of the crossword <laughs> puzzle sort of things, <laughs> but I think I did it in pencil. So I was sort of, ah, it's I was, way, I was worn away. Through, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, possible sort of like I, I think I was just saying, oh, yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want to screw this up, you know. So, right. Um, and I, I picked up a few sort of like replacement ones and things like that. Although mm-hmm. some of them have some like weird misprints, like blank pages in like one of the early ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know whether that was like common or not, but the, the, the dread ones are great. I mean, especially that sort of nineteen eighty one to sort of nineteen eighty seven, I guess eighty eight, sort of like dread ones because. The, the paper seems to sort of keep the it, yeah. it doesn't go brown <laughs> brown and horrible and doesn't sting um, yeah so and it's lush it's lush color sort of thing and it's usually sort of artists at the top of the game yeah you can of, definitely uh, so de- definitely see the difference between the two um, we looked at the uh, at the eighty four annual with uh, with with Eamon Clark from the Mega City Book Club th- th- this year and it's and and, yeah. and he said actually that yeah that um the dread annual got a lot more funding than the two thousand AD annual in this in in this year and you can kind of see it just sort of in who's working on this thing and sort of like how many color comics there are in comparison and things yeah. like that yeah I mean I think it's all. It's all pretty much the same stock. Whereas I looked at this, and it's got a weird mishmash of sort of uh, of stock, you know. And there's some some sort of things where they, you know, they've got quite nice stock, but they're sort of wasting it on non thrills. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whereas they've got like the Nemesis sort of story, and go, and that's printed on the crappy stock. Goes, yeah. Why didn't you just put that on the uh, anyway? Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit weird. Uh, I think it's like uh, it's like printed by about three different companies. Yeah, it's got a lot of, it's got a, yeah, there's a wide variety of like changes as time goes by. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so let's talk about this 2018-1984 annual. Oh, man. I think we both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got the cover, so Dave Gibbons cover. Yeah, this is, I I, I feel like this is some of Dave Gibbons' last work for 2000 AD because um, at this point, like, you know, the last thing he does is sort of chrono cops, I think, until like Tharg's had revisited or something like that. Uh, which is in like right, 301. Right. So this is very yeah. like late Dave Gibbons in 2000 AD. And it's cool that he does it and just draws everybody basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he's sort of, I mean, he's not well known. I mean, he's, he's done one dread really sort of, uh, uh, the lips Lazarus story. And I think he inked a few Bolland pages. 
Yeah, no, he's um, much more but, of a of a Dan. Da- I always think of him as as more of a Dan Dare guy, or like early or like Har- yeah. a, a Harlem's here a Harlem Heroes guy. Um, but yeah. here he's drawn Dread and Sam Slade and Rogue and Johnny Alpha and Hammerstein and the sp- and the Speedo Ghost just to uh, yeah. just to round it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be pretty weird for sort of like uh, you know for artists who are, I don't know whether they relish it or sort of dread it, whether you know they got to draw a character that they never ever draw. Um, you know, usually, and they're saying, right, you got to stick all these on the uh, on the cover. right, <laughs> especially especially doing something where it's like, um, you know, Johnny Alpha, where it's like Carlos is pretty much the only person who draws him, and Ian Gibson is pretty much the only person who drew Robo Hunter up to that point. Yeah, it's uh, it, it must be uh, you know, tough. I could definitely imagine it being very super daunting, and then on the inside yeah, we've got. I mean, uh, yeah. oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I mean, especially, uh, yeah, I mean, like Gibson and Escara sort of like completely opposite ends of the sort of uh, you know yeah you have to sort of unify the styles almost yeah. I think other people yeah. have drawn Johnny Alpha I, I know in Star-Lord there was a lot of like non-Ascara um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, dog yeah. stories like, yeah, if you, I mean, like Ian Gibson did yeah. one and Brenda McCarthy as well yeah I feel like like Slade is more s- s- like a purely um, Ian Gibson's as opposed to anything else <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to even more any of these other characters, I guess. But on, so on yeah. the, on the on the inside cover, we've got uh, an uh, an armored magical Tharg like casting spells on the uh, on on the cosmic content on the cosmic <laughs> contents. Um, yeah, I think that's Robert Smith on uh, on that. Yeah, I I agree. This is sort of one of a series of like Robert Smith loves to draw like a fantasy Tharg. I feel like there's always one on these inside <laughs> yeah, covers. I don't, I don't know what's going on. He's like riding a dra- space dragon. Yeah, and, uh, being this all cape cape wonder. It's uh, yeah, it all seems to come a bit out of nowhere. With that, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not something that, that Tharg talks about. This is like in the in the early days when instead of comics he was selling like illuminated manuscripts to england or something like that (laughs) (laughs) well he he is ancient ancient but mighty uh, yeah yeah as as young as yeah as as old as the stars and as young as a promise or something i think we 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 learn later in the annual but speaking of uh of of ian gibson and and sam slade we go to through one robo hunter (laughs) yeah so uh yeah it's it's weird in the Sam doesn't actually appear in this, or you know, it's purely a, yeah. you know, Hoagie, Hoagie's first case. So. Yeah, it, yeah. Alan, uh, the script robots, Alan Grant as Staccato, art robot Ian Gibson, lettering robot Tom Frame, and yeah, it's Hoagie's first case, and this is also the first uh, full color Robo Hunter story, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real treat to see sort of like Ian Gibson in color. You know, I, I remember seeing sort of like a few. Uh, Sort of posters, and uh, I think some of like the dread, uh, dread annual sort of stories that he, you know he drew. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's beautiful stuff. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. This is the first I'm time I, I think we've the, seen uh, Hoagie in, in, in full color too, except for on a cover and stuff like that. He's, he's blue, which is a little different, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I just love that uh, Carlos uh, Robosogi writes in an accent. <laughs> Yeah. Hoagie on yeah. the job. Eight week at Fog. Come quick. Come quick. 
yeah, so so Hoagie is like so Sam's away and Hoagie takes a phone call to like come deal with a robo hound, a, a robo guard dog that's on the loose. He gets he gets halfway there and realizes he doesn't have the address, so he has to come back and, and get the call to where he's <laughs> supposed to go. Um and yeah, like you said, Stogie decides to go with Hoagie and leaves a note basically saying, Yeah, come quick, because Hoagie's on his Hoagie's doing stuff, and that's never a good time. Uh, <laughs> At a, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm quite disturbed by uh, Hoagie's uh, robot asshole as well on, on page three. <laughs> oh <my> God, what? <laughs> All these robots have butts, and it's real weird. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so we so we come to the so we we go to like a fancy mansion and the uh, and the owner quote unquote says he's moving out but the guard dog is on the fritz. Hoagie investigates. He finds a a, a robot guard dog that is not unlike uh, Toby from from Halo Jones the the, Jones, the robot yeah. dog in that one. Also by Ian Gibson and stuff. But but you know we shouldn't worry about that. Um, Hoagie manages to subdue it with some curtains and the uh, the owner starts moving all of his stuff out into a big uh, into a big truck. Um, eventually the dog gets free and Hoagie hits it with a table leg which makes it uh, go berserk and like bites a mi- uh, microwave conduit and the whole house burns down essentially <laughs> uh, yeah I mean that's uh, that, yeah. that's pretty much it I mean that's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah I mean and uh, obviously the, uh, the the owner has got this uh, stereotypical burglar's uh, stripy jumper and, uh, <laughs> yeah. lo- lo- looks like a thug. Yeah, as the as the house burns, he says he'll uh, he'll call the fire department, but he definitely doesn't. Um, and as the place is burned to ash, Sam finally arrives with the real owner of the house, and Ho- we learn that Hoagie's just assisted in an, in an obvious robbery. But you know, it's a it's a mistake everybody could have made, and a good first case for Hoagie. Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but just good. Yeah, like you said, the art here is real fun. Ian Gibson does some good slapstick just with like when Hoagie like hits the dog with the table vase and the dogs are like, like confused. <laughs> and then, yeah, um, I mean, yeah. And there's it's just some good, sort of like, you know, proper, proper Warner Brothers sort of, uh, you know, Looney Tunes sort of style. Uh, yeah, and then, some, you know, just some good. Through. Some, some good comedy beats as like, uh, you know, they, they wait for the fire brigade to come for a couple minutes. And so he's like, yeah, maybe we should wait outside <laughs> as the fire burns <laughs> around them and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever watched the IT crowd? Yes. Yeah. It just really, it sort of reminds me a lot of Moss, uh, you know, saying like there's a fire. Yeah. Know, so, or, you know, <laughs> I can't remember the phone number. So you just email somebody about it being on fire. Right. Because well, the, because the, this, this fire extinguisher's on fire. I'll just put this fire <laughs> over here with the rest of the fire. Right. <laughs> That's what happens when you make the, uh, the emergency line like, like 20 digits long, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, so, but speaking of, uh, I don't know, puzzling developments, yes, okay. Uh, it's, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, Thrill 2 Godfrey's Grids, which is just a quick, um, like, what, it's a trivia puzzle, and then you take the letters from the correct answers of the, of the, uh, of the questions to make, like, a message at the end, I guess. Yeah. Tellingly, I didn't fill this one in. Um, <laughs> it's complicated. That's what I found. Um, yeah, it's also, uh, I guess, sort of uh, a bit of child exploitation, you know, that uh, uh, Tony Godfrey of Somerset has been paid £3 for <laughs> filling up a page of a... Yeah, there are a lot of these puzzles that, that kids sort of create and then send in, and yeah, it's it's not cool. <laughs> like, we're just of <laughs> exploiting these kids for, for annual content. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the NUJ uh, would probably have something to say about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the page rate for producing a non-thrills uh, on staff was, but uh, it's true. I suppose it's probably more than. I suspect it was more than three pounds. Yeah, that's that's a fair point, actually. <laughs> um. But speak, but you know, if you start paying kids, then that's just like, or paying kids fair rates, that's just a slippery slope. Yeah. And speaking of yeah. letting genies out of the bottle, oh yeah, <laughs> it's through three, Judge Anderson, uh, yeah, script robot, so, uh, yeah, script robot Alan Grant as Staccato again, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. I'm gonna be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's. Uh... Yeah, so Alan Grant is sort of like uh, the the second sort of uh, pseudonym credit. Yeah, I feel I, I don't know why. It's kind of weird. I feel like Staccato is like his like annual um, credit because he's used it a couple times just in annuals, I think. But it's right. definitely this weird like IPC like annual require or or a pseudonym requirement thing sort of playing out, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the the art robots Kim Raymond and the letting robots Tony Jacob, and this is the first I, uh, Judge Anderson solo story, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, be, I guess. Because, uh, yeah, because I think the the actual solo stories like Four Dark Judges and stuff don't start till 1985, so it's a little ways to go. Right. But these Andersons ones and annuals will sort of be in either the 2000 AD or the Dread annual for the next couple of years, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. There's a few that I sort of remember. I think there's a Ian Gibson one, sort of fistful of dynamite, or uh, <laughs> something on a ro- roller coaster. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and also, uh, Kim Raymond's pretty new to 2000 AD. And whenever there's a new uh, new artist working in one of the in an annual, I always assume that like it's their that this is their tryout, um, like like work. Like they're like, hey, like give us a, yeah. gen- you know, here's a script to draw, and we'll, you know, and it's getting put in an annual or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess sort of, uh, there's these sort of things that they could. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, obviously, the, um, you know, with the earlier annuals, they had all this sort of like filler uh, reprints. Mm-hmm. So there, there obviously is a, a little bit of that. So I think it's a, it's a bit of a sort of like a mixture of um, the color stuff for the the established artists, and then yeah. black and white. Or, a few of the uh, few of the newer artists. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot. It, it just seems to be tryouts to me, just because like sometimes there's like a like there's a really early like Steve Dillon thing in one of the other annuals with like yeah. um with, with with the giant Fergies and stuff like that. It just always feels like they show up. But yeah, um, so we, we got a doctor that's being held in a medical facility, and he's got the usual kind of mix of like seizures and like demonic yelling because he's just possessed by a big by a crazy demon, basically. Um, yeah. Luckily, Anderson is here to help. After a quick uh, confirmation, we, we 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 know that he's a demon, and they kind of give us some backstory about how he was like a he's a curator at the Mega City One Museum of Antiquities, and he opened an age an ancient Persian bottle recently. Um, so, you know, Anderson knows exactly what to do, which is of course um, enter the guy's mind and arrest the demon. Yeah, well, that's her job, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah, you gotta. That's what side divisions for. I feel like, yeah. yeah. So, so, she, so she basically jumps in uh, to to confront the demon to hack in a in a mental landscape. She like just shoots down a bunch of demon, a bunch of minor demons that get shot at, that get sent towards her with her lawgiver, and then uh, confronts the hack and just kind of punches him in the jaw, and that's and and that's it, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, you can sort of see like there's a few of these things that get reused in the Brett Ewan's um, sort of stories. You know, sort of like, you know, hands sort of like grabbing up and sort of gravestones with your you name know, on it. Yeah, gravestones flying <laughs> around. So uh, yeah. Although I like how she she sort of uh, comments on the gravestone, like, "Oh, okay, like this is just the standard stuff." <laughs> like, I've I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, so like happened like loads of times before. Yeah, but so yeah, she can't pu- use sort of like uh, ancient demonic evil come up with something original. I mean, you know, that's why it's ancient, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> after the after the after the uh, the punch of the face, the demon comes along quietly, goes back into his bottle. Like, uh, we're lucky we didn't have females side judges in ancient persia <laughs> and so they yeah. put yeah yeah you're just saying that yeah they, they sort of put it in this indestructible plastic reed, which doesn't seem quite the sort of like the most the safest you know safest yeah. way to sort of dispose of it especially when they just this, yeah they, they, they just, just dump it in the bottom of the black atlantic like okay but <laughs> You know, this is a, this is how you get demons in the first place. Is you instead of like finding a way to destroy it, you just sort of hide it in an out of the way spot. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah. I, I like the indestructible plastery. I think it's just the location I'm uh, have a bit of trouble with. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess there's no good place to put like a, a, a captured demon, <laughs> but at a place where you right. yourself can't get to it seems uh, short sighted. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Know. But, but speaking of uh, special guest stars, we go to Thrill for the Star of Star Wars, which is a uh, an interview of by a uh, Bert, the sub editor droid of Billy D. Williams of uh, Re- Return of the Jedi yeah. fame. At this point, yeah, William December Williams. <laughs> um, that is his actual name. Oh wow, I, I didn't know that. Actually, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> unless unless somebody was winding me up on Twitter, that is actually oh no, William December. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because in the uh, in the sci-fi special for this year, they had a bunch of uh, production stills of Return of the Jedi, and none of them had Billy D. Williams in them. So it's kind of cool that that they're now interviewing him and like just talking about his experience getting cast as as Lando Calrissian and all that stuff. Because I'm a big Lando fan, so I really like that. You know, just getting a chance to sort of yeah. hear this stuff. I guess I'm not, I'm not, I'm guessing sort of you know it, this wasn't just like a you know, uh, a generic interview that was like repurposed or you did actually talk to him or, um, you know, it just wasn't one of these sort of repurposed sort of, you know, fluff pieces that uh, just got published. Well, I mean, I guess it, Richard Byrne must have, must have had a chat with him. Yeah, I mean, I could, I mean, I could definitely see like, you know, they surely had a press tour for, um, for Return of the Jedi. And I'm sure that like, you know, it'd be an easier get like, oh, we're like a, 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 a comic book in the, in England. Can I like, you know, ask you for 10 questions or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess all, I mean, the circulation at the time must have been, you know, pretty big. So that's true. Um, you know, it's, it's a sci-fi, you know, uh, comic with whatever, 150, 200,000 readers. Yeah. You know, that's that's in your target market. It's the same sort. You know, absolutely. Yeah, much, it's, it's uh, definitely exactly the Star Wars, the Star Wars demographic, yeah. right? Of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. kids wh- who like science fiction, basically. But I feel like I, I I feel like the tell that it might be a unique interview is just like when they ask him if he watch if he if if he reads any science fiction, he says no, but his his wife does, and that he like he's read some Arthur C. Clarke, which feels like a very um right. like what you'd say to an English person. Asking Asking about science fiction thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I thought yeah, he was going to ask him about like British TV, you know, whether he was a fan of, uh, <laughs> you know, any, whatever sort of contemporary uh, British TV was on there. Right. <laughs> but that takes us to uh, Home is Where, the, or to Thrill 5, Home is Where the Micro is and Thug's Mighty Micro Pages. Which, yeah, this is basically an advert for Atari, isn't it? Yeah, it's one. Yeah, it's supposed to be talking about microcomputing, but they're like, let's be specific. Like, and here's just a, a four-page ad for the Atari 400 microcomputer, <laughs> like <laughs> complete with like Atari's official, um, like 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 production pictures and stuff pricing, like that. Pricing as well. Yeah, it under 230 pounds, including basic programming cartridge. <laughs> It's really, um, it's really amazing. Although I, I, I do think that this is just kind of fun just for like the era of, of the technology of like, you know, the CPU with the built in, uh, keyboard that sort of plugs into a regular TV and stuff like that. It's a very like 1983 kind of computer, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the Ataris were around, uh, but they didn't really make, they were, I think, I need to remember, I mean, they were quite expensive compared to, but I mean, basically, you, you had like the sort of like, the, the Z, Sinclair ZX Spectrum, mm-hmm. so the sort of like, uh, the cheap end or cheapish end. Yeah. And then the BBC were running this sort of, uh, they sponsored like a program and did it like a, their own, mm. uh, sort of, uh, branded sort of computer, uh, the BBC micro. So that was like for the posh kids. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then, no, then the Commodore 64 sort of came in and, uh, so it was basically Spectrum and Commodore 64. And right. I remember micro. those. To yeah. And, uh, and then sort of, uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, the Ataris didn't really, I mean, they were, they're pretty good, but I think they were just too expensive for everybody else. Yeah, um, I feel like and, it did. It, anybody had it. Yeah, I feel like it's just them sort of uh, trying to branch out as the uh, as the console mar- as the video game console market's dying or something like that. Yeah, this sort of early eighties yeah. period. Mean, yeah, I mean, first experience with this. I mean, everybody was just sort of saying like, uh, yeah, if I want an Atari, I'll, I'll just get a VCS and sort of you know mm-hmm. play video games on it. Don't, don't try right. to fool me with your program. <laughs> But then with programming after that, we get uh, the, 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 the micro pages, which is pretty long here. It's got like digital pictures. I, I, I like the digital pictures of, of, of Tharg and Dread just because they, they yeah. use a lot of like ne- of, of negative space in them, which is actually kind of neat. I think when you're just using like yeah, dots, I basically, used, I used to do a couple of uh, exactly those. Um, I, I even wrote a, like a program to like to do that. So sort of basically, it was just basically plotting pixels on and off, like mm-hmm. the black or white. And the, um, yeah, the Sinclair, sort of like the ZX81 had like a sort of thermal printer that, you know, it's just pretty much like a till roll sort of thing, but like silver. And you could oh, wow. print out sort of things on that. So, you know, I remember doing Dread and Ace Garp, I think, sort of uh, <laughs> uh, on those. So, yeah, that, that, that does sort of like speak to me. I can sort of uh, yeah, probably waste a couple of hours doing that. It definitely feels like sort of a, uh, a, a board and computer class kind of thing to do. Um, but then yeah. this, this also has some pretty gigantic uh, basic programs. There's one for like a Robo Siege game, an Ace Trucking game, uh, making an ad yeah. for 2000 AD, I guess. Yes, and then just like a something yeah, that can I mean, convert graphical galactic groats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're actually pretty short compared to like some of the computer magazines at the time had like pages and pages of stuff, and you'd be typing all this sort of stuff in, or getting a mate to sort of read out the sort of stuff to you and sort of check it back. And uh, oh my yeah, gosh. that's how desperate we were for entertainment back in the early eighties. That's know? really it was just if e- even for me that feels so alien. I'm just. <laughs> Like, all right, like we gotta, we gotta play a video game. So let's like log in basic and start writing these go to tens, you know? 
It's such yeah, a. It, uh, it didn't last. It didn't last long. You know, we got bored with that. And just, yeah, we're just going to double double Smith and buy a, you know, a game on tape and sort of like right. it up. You know? Yeah, it's definitely you know, I'm not, a. I'm not, I'm not this typing. I'm not getting paid to type. It's <laughs> it's definitely like like a in my day kind of like this is this is the ultimate like if you want to shout at kids about video games kind of thing like we had to code our own games like oh my god it's like walking yeah. up and downhill both ways <laughs> to get to school you know. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of uh, of a terrible thing from the past, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Thrill Six Bonjo from Beyond the Stars. Yeah, well, oh man! Back Boo! Memory, back to where he should have stayed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, script robot and art robot for this is Kev O'Neill, and oh man, Bonjo from Beyond the Stars. Oh man, this makes me feel bad. Uh, was it definitely Kev <laughs> wrote it then as well? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. He or he's listed as writing it in uh, in Barney and things. Um, right. But yeah, so you know, yeah. man, we all remember Bonjo. They're half page comics from Prague forty one to fifty. Godzilla style monster destroying Asia. He's stupid. There's a lot of Asian stereotypes. It's just rough times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you're going to get a little bit. Of that. I mean, you've already gone through the uh, the Blakey Pentax, uh, and, yeah, a little bit of, of, of Robo Hunter. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that sort of. Um, I mean, around. I'm trying to, you know, work out whether, um, you know, because of the um, the British battle comics, you know, you had all that sort of. I mean, I'd, you should dig out sort of some Captain Hurricane for some truly horrendous. Uh, mm. You know, yeah, all the all the World War Two stuff, I'd imagine. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, whether sort of having that just made it sort of last a lot longer than it naturally would have, I, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's just weird that you don't seem the Asian stereotyping just seems to sort of last a lot longer than other sort of, sort of racial stereotyping. Yeah. I, I don't know what, I mean, even up to sort of like, oh God, I mean, the late 90s or like beyond, beyond that, I mean, there was, uh, uh, there was a program called um, Endurance, which is basically a remake of a Japanese game show. It's was, it was basically tor- torturing contestants, and they had like a couple of white guys in full makeup and uh, pretending to be Japanese. And it was, yeah, it's pretty toe curling. So, like, yeah, they were called like Hokey and Koki. Oh my gosh. And uh, yeah, I mean, this this is like 1998, I think. So, wow. So, certainly like late 90s. Um, <laughs> That's ridiculous. So, yeah. But yeah, so. Yeah, so it's. Uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's it's very much uh, very much of its time. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, even more of its time is just how like there's all these weird uh, 2080 references inside Banjo, where like he gets just he gets taken down by by by, by a mock Ardvark. It ends with like Tharg mm-hmm. showing up with like the living axe from like um, the first uh, Dan Dare, yeah. yeah from like really early Dan Dare and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then it and then this one ends with a with a full plate with a full page splash of Bonjo having like drank in the entire sea and just standing on an empty seabed full of like ships and like islands with like tiny spindles holding them up because there's no water around them anymore like just gnawing yeah. on a whale basically <laughs> yeah i'm i'm trying to work out what's going on with that there's like a shark a shark and a shark and then yeah, it's one of those pictures of like, fish, yeah, of, of, of like a fish or? eating a fish, eating a fish, eating a fish. I think there might be a guy right at the very end of that in the, oh, right, in the shark being eaten. I, I, I wish one of them had a, you know, I, I like looked at that, at, at that little, sh- 
<laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I was looking for Hookjaw, and it wasn't in there. I was, I was like, ah, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I noticed the, um, the the sort of you probably can't see it on yours, but the boat on the right is SS Clep, the uh, the other unloved uh, funny. Oh wow, uh, that's a that's another deep cut. Oh man, now I now I'm like worried that there's going to be a Captain Clep one in, in the coming annual. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. man. Let's see. Oh I yeah, there you it really is. need to have Mo- Mo- Moby written on the whale, though, Kev. That's. I think we probably would have got it without having Moby written. <laughs> it's. I mean, Kev O'Neill's clearly having a lot of fun with this uh, giant, like, like Bonjo picture. But man, this is yeah. just one of those, one of those things that I mean, like it says, could have, could have stayed buried in in the memory banks. I feel like a lot of these half pagers <laughs> have this problem yeah. where they're trying to make a joke of like, oh, like, oh yeah, this is like a really bad joke, isn't that funny? But because like it actually is bad jokes, it just kind of be like, yeah, yeah, no, it is. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it sort of falls flat well, a little well, bit. Thank God Nemesis came along. Indeed. But before we can but get you to can, you can sort of see yeah. yeah, you can sort of see well I mean Kev's obviously, you know, a big fan of Ken Reed. Um mm-hmm. he did a lot of early sort of like you know, strips like Face Ache and uh and some of like the juvenile sort of stuff. And uh yeah, you can sort of, you can sort of see that Ken Reed influence on Kev. Yeah. Um but uh yeah. I much prefer Kev when he's doing Nemesis. Absolutely. <laughs> but speaking of uh, old enemies or something, yeah, no, that's, I feel like that's, that's <laughs> the majority opinion for sure. Um, speaking of old enemies, it's Thrill 7 Invasion. So script robot for invasion is Chris Lauder, art robot Ian Kennedy, letter robot Tom Frame, and this is classic Prague 35 invasion action. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember this one actually. Well, I mean, Bill, Bill Savage has got a shotgun on the on the on the first page, so uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at, at this point, I feel like every invasion story was starting with that. You really just you know, it's the first thing you turn to as you open the comic, and it's really just grabbing you to get going. I remember this one a lot because it's the first um, 2080 story that actually had credits in the prog. It's when they brought out the, uh, right. the, the 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 credits panel in this in the in the in a prog 35. But yeah, so the uh, the Volgans have completed the channel tunnel, and that doesn't sit right with hard resistance leader Bill Savage and his and his assistant Peter Silk. <laughs> Um, this one's drawn by Ian Kennedy, so there's lots of like planes and helicopters and stuff, which is always a specialty of his. Yeah, I'm, I met Ian at uh, Thought Bubble last year. Um, that he, he mentioned that he always draws himself in the, uh, or he usually draws himself as like pilots in the planes. Interesting. And, uh, I th- yeah, because I think he, he wanted to be a pilot, but I think he failed the medical. Or ah. so this was uh, this is yeah. why he's sort of like living out his, uh, you know, his, his pilot uh, right. ambitions. <laughs> But so Savage and Silk, they like, they, they, they meet up on the, on the continent with some French resistance fighters and then. Hey, stereotypes. Hey, we must destroy the convoy, uh, liberty, fraternity, et cetera. Um, they do a, uh, an elaborate, uh, uh, scheme that involves wearing uh, uh stealing costumes and pretending to be captured and stuff and joining a convoy going through the tunnel um then eventually they uh you know start fighting they steal a jump jet fly it through the tunnels and blow a hole in the roof escaping via ejection seats which... yeah i mean some like really nice uh really nice sort of hardware that ian draws Absolutely, yeah. This, yeah, this like a uh, Harrier, like flying through this tunnel, blowing up planes, and then the roof itself is really neat. Um, 
It's a it's a pretty crowded cockpit by the looks of it. I mean, there's yeah, like there's like three dudes in there. <laughs> but the guys manage to escape and they're picked up by a resistance by a resistance boat and you know, we'll squash those vogues till they're all out of England. <laughs> oh yeah. I love all these. Yeah, just... I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm trying to think when the uh, when the Channel Tunnel actually did open. <laughs> it must have been sort of uh, around around 2000 or it was like before then. You know, the, yeah. the, the real one, not the uh, not the filthy filthy Vogue. Filthy Vogue, yeah. <laughs> Although I mean, it's still 1999, so it's roughly uh, it's roughly on time. Although I, I guess in in this 1999, they had to deal with the massive flood that covered all of Northern Europe. Yeah, true. Right? <laughs> yeah. They had to rebuild Wembley Stadium, but anyhow, um, <laughs> there's a lot of work going on. It's yeah, it's all it's all, it's, it's, it's all behind the scenes. Really well out of uh, out of the 1990s. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and fake England, definitely. <laughs> but speaking of a partially forgotten past, it's Thrill Eight Skiz, how he came to be, um, and this is yeah. like. It's it's you know scripture about Alan Moore, art about Jim Jim Bakey, and it's basically like Alan Moore taking a, a strangely narrative way of telling the backstory of Skiz, of like yeah, he's like hiding from Tharg in like a coffee machine, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether sort of like I guess I mean Stephen Manus was still being editor at this time, whether you know whether it was like him or Bert or like asked Alan and goes like yeah can you turn in a little sort of thing about how you know how you came up with skiz and Alan just sort of goes off on this uh, this weird fiction of sort of hiding out in the slop tanks yeah he's definitely really embracing the um like the the, the we are script robots <laughs> like idea yeah which i i appreciate just as sort of i don't know it's it's the pro wrestling fan of me that likes everybody to keep the story alive i guess um, <laughs> Um, yeah, he's yeah. Not, not breaking the illusion there. It's, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So he talks about sort of the development of Skiz, and we get some really cool, I think, preliminary sketches of, of the character, of like how, um, mm-hmm. like the different like iterations of like how alien they want it to be, and how they sort of like, you know, there's a couple ones where he's like real, like like a bit just squid-headed, and then moving yeah. back to the more sort of uh, kangaroo-y look that, 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 that we have uh, today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, sort of, because uh, you you haven't got skiz yet on. Uh, we haven't spaceman, have you? Not at, as we're recording, but I believe it will be finished by the time this epi- by the time <laughs> right. we actually get to this episode, the continuity. It's one of these problems with these short <laughs> ones where it's like if you record ahead, it's like ah, oh, we you know, we we got no frame reference for this now, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I mean it's weird. Like skiz turns up in Rogue Trooper at one point. Yeah, it's a weird like. He has, yeah. has, has, has a little cameo. Yeah, the the hereditary of Skiz ends up being weird, like how like uh, Jim Bakey takes it over completely and write does writing and art for it later on and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and then sort of crossovers with Dread and yeah, the, the, the Skiz scenes. Yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, but I I think what you're, what's also interesting about this is they definitely don't mention uh you know the glowing fingered highest grossing movie of all time <laughs> elephant in the room here yeah it's not like it's 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 um I feel like they're just taking like like the better part of valor of not even trying to make an excuse about or like talk like discuss <laughs> like how much yeah, one knows the I other mean, and stuff yeah I mean I don't know sort of like how much sort of like was known about ET before you know when this was being written or because I mean, if you look at Skiz it's it, it takes more from, there was a, um, a series called Boys from the Black Stuff mm-hmm. um, uh, on a, on in the UK and um, 
there's a character in that called Yossa Hughes who is basically a sort of like uh, he's a labourer, but he's out of job and sort okay. of got mental health problems. And he's a he's a lot more like you know the character of Cornelius in, in right. So you can see you can see a lot of that that working class sort of side of things. Yeah, employment. I'm, yeah, that's definitely what and I there's find. There's a lot more influence of that than I mean the ET sort of thing is. You know, there's probably a lot, of, apart from the the framing you know, of an alien lost on the planet, is you know. Yeah, I I I really agree. Yeah, because that's such a big difference. I think of 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 e, of Skiz versus ET is yeah, it's the, is is moving it to like sort of a a down and out Birmingham is is real different than what like suburban California or wherever ET e, e, takes place yeah. in terms of how the characters do things, interact with each other, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean. But also, like with the South African villain, South Africans seem to be the go-to villains of sort of uh, you know with the apartheid era, sort of early, well, early to mid eighties. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that that's I mean, a. You, know, low- you had that like, with the Lethal Weapon two. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely a. Uh, yeah, they're a great low-calorie villain, you know, especially if you're sort yeah. of like trying to avoid a lot of Cold War stuff by by by, by having Russians or whatever, you know. <laughs> Exactly, and I feel like all the guys who used to play Germans can can transition to South Africans pretty quickly, just in terms of how they change their accents. You know, exactly. <laughs> oh man! But speaking of um, whatchamacallit, of classic action, I guess from Invasion, but going to, going forward, it's Thrill Nine, Judge Dread. <laughs> so. Actually, I guess uh, speaking of just evil industrialists, um, <laughs> this is a classic Judge Dredd, a, a script about John Wagner in a, in a rare um, true name appearance. <laughs> um, art robot Ian Gibson, letter robot Tony Jacob. This one's from uh, Prague 38. Yeah, so I mean, this is. It's weird seeing sort of uh, Gibson sort of early early costumes. Yeah, you really get a sense that that every I mean everybody's still kind of figuring out what the model for Dread is going to be. I think like you can re- like yeah. his his shoulder pads are super tiny here. That's what I noticed um, in comparison yeah, to more modern Dreads. And the, and the respirator bash, right? You know, it's sort of uh, yeah. I won't say what that looks like. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it's definitely like. <laughs> I feel like up until like the cursed earth or so, like what dread looks like, what even what like his body shape, like like what, what the shape of his body is, or like you know even like his chin and stuff is still very much in flux, you know. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm mean, nothing to all. Yeah, the, I mean the cursed earth just sort of seemed to be this sort of opportunity to sort of you know batter him around and sort of. Yeah, I think move. it just. I think it was outside of the city, and so you can see how he's like get it, getting more and more, literally, sort of like you know, torn apart, and the uniform yeah. getting more battered as he sort of you know went along, and then you know by the time you you know you get to the end of that, and even even Justice Department, I think, sort of by the time you get to the end of um, you know like the day the Lord died, you know that yeah. firmly frames the judges as being the bad guys. Whereas right. here, I think like the early days, it's all it's a bit bit more vague and you know you you have like sort of like judges having parades and like right you know, the heroes and sort yeah. Of, yeah by the yeah. time you get to the end of the day the lord i'd go yeah they're the bad guys <laughs> right yeah. but i think also just in terms of like even like the look of the character i feel like uh, those two stories where you had like like uh mcmahon and Balland and everybody sort of working together to like make the stories all at once i feel like everybody just sat down and sort of decided like you know all right how big are judge dreads like shoulder pads you know like, <laughs> Like yeah, what is what does this character look like? You know, so it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I guess you've got sort of like uh, you know early sort of uh, development, and you've got quite a few artists 
um, sort of working on it. It's probably a bit more difficult to nail down. Whereas if you just got yeah. two, you can just sort of chat between them. Yeah, they can take the time to refine things set, a little set, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set, set a bit more of a template. But in this but, one, so. uh, Dread, Dread, and Judge Giant burst into a little kid's room, and they basically grab the kid and reveal him to be like a robot. <laughs> Yeah, sort of yeah. like you know, head head ripping off and yeah. sort of uh, good times. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like Although the. I uh, noticed, that, I noticed yeah. that they didn't actually sort of like show the actual head coming off bit. No, no, I you gotta go. You gotta do I that off screen. No, that, yeah. that, that's a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that the evil uh, Hugh Howards has kidnapped all the like has kidnapped the kids of all the city's wealthiest people and replaced them with spy bots, <laughs> and so. It's, but it's basically. Cambridge Analytica and Facebook. <laughs> Absolutely. So old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah. But he's he, he does my favorite thing where he's just got all the kids like strapped to the wall. Yeah. Like has robots feeding and cleaning them. And then he's just sort of doing business, like as these kids like cry and ask for their parents and stuff. And he's like, nah, let's just keep keep talking, you know. <laughs> No, but that kid's got some nice dessert there. He's got like a little trifle with cherry on top and sort of. Uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all well and good until then. Like eyes. they they go to brush your teeth with crazy robot <laughs> arms. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like you know, I like his badge as well. Call me boss. <laughs> and yeah. all the others got like number four, number six. So everybody knows their place. It's, I mean, that's what I learned from from the prisoner, right? It's important that you've got everybody's got to know what their what, what their spot is. Um, but so the judges re, uh, raid the place and free the kids. Um, Howard's taken one of them hostage, and he tries to jump, but he's caught by an H wagon. And basically, you know, all's well that ends well, and it kind of ends with like a news report of the story, like a, a a mom being like, you know, behave or Judge Dredd will get you. You know, yeah, you got the uh, the sort of slobby family. And the uh, the three ducks on the wall, which I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure is not a thing in the states, but it was uh, it sort of used to like adorn sort of uh, living rooms in uh, in the UK. Really? That's fun. I, I I was not aware of that. That's a that's a weird cultural thing too. Oh man, yeah, always always well, learning these it's, things. It's quite yeah, I mean, famously, it's from Coronation Street, um, the Ogdens. Ah. Um, yeah, Hilda Ogden was very proud of her ducks on her wall, <laughs> her mural. awesome yeah so let's so moving on actually going back to the start of the show and talking about rogue trooper i guess it's thrill 10 rogue trooper (laughs) um and uh script robot for this one's alan moore art robot jesus redondo letter robot steve potter yeah so rogue trooper this is um jesus redondo's only uh rogue trooper story i think um he's definitely not a main artist for it yeah, I mean, that's a bit of an odd choice. I mean, you sort of mentioned that sort of like Dave Gibbons was probably, well, he'd already left Rogue Trooper by that point. So, I mean, I yeah. guess... Uh, it's mostly like Brett, would have been. Brett Ewens Brett and Cam Ewan Kennedy, Kennedy are doing most of it, yeah, at the, at the moment. Um, and I think uh, Bouda is is, uh, is is doing a little bit. He does like four or five, and he did some... In- he he'd actually did, did a really cool story in the sci-fi special for Rogue Trooper that had really mm-hmm. like good art for it. A lot of ink washes and stuff like that that were very cool. Um, yeah. But it seems like in these annuals, you basically get Alan Moore doing one Rogue Trooper story and one Robuster stories each annual he's done for the, for the last year or two, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why sort of, uh, you know, whether, because I, mean, I, I would imagine sort of Alan Moore, uh, whether they were sort of trying him out for it or they just said, oh, you're available or... 
I feel I mean, like it's pretty unusual. Yeah. It's pretty unusual for him to sort of like to do, you know, like robusters and you know, because Pat. Yeah, I mean, it's of, uh, it, you know, he, pretty much uh, only does his, uh, yeah. you know, his own stories. I mean, he's he only does them in the annual, but I think like this year is his is the third year in a row that he's done a Robuster story, and I think it's the second year in a row that he's done um, a Rogue Trooper story, which are both you know, yeah, of course, uh, mainly Pat Mills and then and and Jerry Finley Day. So it's sort of interesting they sort of have him on here to do these. I feel like he just like I don't know, they might have just had like spare like spare stories for him to write or something like that. I, it's yeah, I'd be interested I'm to hear so why he's doing it. You yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, is it, it, you know, it's odd because, you know, you don't sort of like think of him as, you know, necessarily being a, a sort of like a, a a great fit for, for Rogue Trooper or not, not typical. Yeah, um, it's different than his. I could, it, you could imagine John Wagner maybe doing a Rogue Trooper, or, you know. But. Yeah, he's definitely not someone who I think of as like a fill in artist or, or a writer that just kind of comes in for like one episode of a story or something like that. I mean, you know, he's doing, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, maybe not just because he does all those, all the, all the future shocks and, and, and time twisters and stuff. So he's doing a lot of one off work, but not sort of with other people's characters, I guess. My, I, I mostly think of him yeah. as doing like his own, his own characters, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But so, but, uh, yeah. With this one, Rogue's like you know on the run for some Norts. He's uh, in a series of glass mountains, and he comes across another genetic infantryman. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, some guy with a bandana and a big beard. Yeah, it's like, it kind of it kind of loses it a bit in black and white. To be honest, though, it's true. It's, this uh, would be so 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 amazing if it was an old like hippie guy with like the blue skin in like this crystal landscape and stuff. As it is, it's just sort of like an old guy. And the only yeah. way to tell he's a rogue trooper is just not having like pupils in his eyes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and because his sort of eyes are sort of quite, you know, heavily lidded and sort of closed, you don't really yeah. even see that under. That's true. On the first sort of thing, yeah. I guess it, it might work better if it was, uh, you know, more of a close up of the face. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting story. It's, um, I mean, it uh, you know basically talks about. Uh, yeah, he's you know Rogue wasn't the uh, the first GI. There were these prototypes who were basically, you know, anti-war yeah, he, protesters. Yeah, uh, they were drafted in by Millicom, basically, and forced to undergo like the experiments to become genetic infantrymen and stuff. Yeah, in- including the Mohican, which <laughs> well, of obviously course. seems to be a, a vital part of. Uh, yeah, that's a it's a low bearing Mohawk, GI. I guess. <laughs> 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 you think if that if that came out, it just all fall apart. Yeah, so you know, you don't know. I don't, it's a weird thing, I guess. But yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, just because at this point we're just sort of starting to like we're reaching a point in Rogue Trooper where they're sort of just starting to give us pieces of like you know of the Southers not just being like decent, you know, or like of yeah, uh, yeah, of there is this other layer of. Um, yeah, it's not strictly good guys versus yeah, know, good and bad I mean, on both sides. Yeah, I mean, this thing. is sort of an interesting thing in in Moore's story, in Alan Moore's Rogue Trooper story in the in the eighty three annual, which is which is also about like a a Souther trooper had kind of gone like kill crazy, and Rogue had God, to like you know pray for pray for yeah one. yeah. Um, it's an interesting take, I guess, and sort of something that will certainly you know continue as rogue trooper becomes a little bit more of a you know an anti-war war story or something like that um yeah. but so yeah so you know we kind of get this old uh genetically infantry man he's been hiding out you know he was uh, basically all the gis died all the first gis died except for him in the first day of being dropped on on new earth and he sort of escaped into the mountains 
has been waiting ever since to basically just just die of die of old age with dignity. Or, um, and so as he's sort of reaching the end of his life, I guess there's a uh, a Nort patrol arrives and Rogue has to ambush them, and he fights this massive battle. Sort of as this old GI uh, sits cross legged, sort of waiting for death to claim him. I guess it's it, it's it's an interesting story. I, I really like the art and just like the um yeah in the fighting and stuff. It's very like it's got a lot of action going into it. I think it's cool. The thing I, I sort of particularly like, which I'd never really noticed before, is um, you know the, the, the panels in the action sort of uh, sequences are, are very angular and skewed and Dutch. And then that last page where you know the guys died and it's all still, yeah. it's back to the sort of the, the regular, you know, regular straight panels. Yeah, that's yeah, that that's yeah, it definitely sort of yeah, the action panels look have a little bit more, they're, they're more like dynamic or like in motion yeah. as opposed to yeah, the still moments with the with the old GI as he sort of passes on and stuff. Yeah. Um, at at the end, there's sort of an interesting moment where um, Helm says that Rogue should harvest this guy's um, biochip and and keep him living on, and Rogue sort of decides like, no, this time we're going to let this old soldier die instead of just fade away or something like that. And I think that's an interesting, like, it's an interesting call to make, and and also you know it, it adds an element to to I don't know Rogue's relationship with the chips or something like that. Like the chips yeah. weren't you know sort of how rogue has a different opinion on people dying that than the chips do maybe just because they've been kept alive by 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 being biochips yeah i mean it's um yeah i mean because like rogue is sometimes sort of like you know a bit sketched out and sort of some some people say oh he's a bit of a dull character but it's nice to have him actually do something you know rather than just be mm-hmm. you know carrying the biochips around right um, actually sort of like you know <laughs> gives it gives him sort of like something to do yeah um I mean, I will point out that, I mean, the, obviously, I think like in a couple of years or like a year or so, I mean, there are some other prototype GIs. Um, there's a, a road trip story called Millicon Me- Memories. Right, right, where, um, what, I, th- I think it was Bagman, like, tries to... Um, yeah. Like... Well, they're sort of like young, young GIs, and they find these sort of like uh, experiments of, uh, you right. know, sort of like GIs that... Um, yeah, you know, that failed that, experiment. Yeah, that hadn't quite hanging around, <laughs> right? Until Bagman finds them, and then they like get dumped into space, and that's like the big yeah. secret that Rogue is keeping, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, but Alan wouldn't know that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, and 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 it could have iterated, like you know, like now, like okay, so it worked when we turned a human into a GI, but how about like you know these vat grown GIs? <laughs> Like the, yeah. we, we got to, you know, put these two pieces of, of of work together or something like that, you know. Um, but but uh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a nice story and it's sort of uh, yeah. Again, it's it's one of those. I started looking at it. It's sort of like printed on the sort of like the the crappier paper. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, that would have been nice in color. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, it's always a bummer, especially. Um, in these annuals and stuff where they maybe have, you know, where they're selling it for a moderate amount and stuff, where there isn't a chance to like tell stories that, that, that are usually in black and white and color. I mean, that was so neat with, with Robo Hunter. It's a, it's, it's a bummer to not have it for, uh, for, for Rogue. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I guess, you know, for whatever reason they decided, I mean, you know, Rogue was like one of those that hardly ever got any sort of color, uh, you know, pages in the prog. So I guess they were used to it and said, oh, well, it's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's such a weird choice to have a blue color be exclusive, a, a blue character be exclusively <laughs> yeah. in black and white. <laughs> yeah. 
But speaking of, uh, of, of black and white tales, we go to Thrill 11 Flesh Part 1. <laughs> um, so this is, it's, uh, the, the script robots listed as R.E. Wright, which is basically the 2080 house, uh, pseudonym for a bunch of people. Um, right. according to Barney, the, the, uh, the 2080 archive, the script droids for these ones are, uh, Ken Armstrong, Studio Giolitti, and, uh, Kelvin Gosnell. So all as Ari right. Wright. And then this section's all drawn by, uh, Roman Sola, and the lettering robot is Bill Nuttall. Yeah. Because I, I, I always sort of assumed that, you know, Pat sort of pretty much did flesh, you know, because he sort of picked up sort of like, you know, later and, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and sort of picked up the whole sort of, uh, um, sort of Satanus, yeah. say, um, sort of like sort of thing. So I always like attributed it to Pat, but I guess, you know, I don't know what like role Ken Armstrong had. Yeah, in, you know, my understanding is that especially like, you know, Pat definitely wrote everything for like the first two progs or something like that. Like all that stuff's credited to Pat Mills and that stuff. But then I think after that point, after he'd sort of established the stories a little bit, it gets farmed out to different people a little bit. Um, just because that's too much writing work for someone over like, of course, for a couple of weeks or something. Like that's what yeah. I, yeah. cause it definitely feels like, especially a lot of these are a lot of like, the early stories end up having a lot of writers in a, re- in a very short period of time. Like Flesh has a bunch. I think Invasion has a bunch. Mach One has a bunch of different writers. They always end up just being like Ari Wright in these, um, yeah. in, 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 in these reprints. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because obviously, I mean, when this was printed, it wouldn't have had credit cards anyway, would it? No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, it was just sort of just existing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's just funny. So, like, kept going all the effort to get credit cards, and they'll just go with a pseudonym anyway. Right? Yeah, well, they yeah, well, they toss them in, in 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 the past for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so I I so this is man, I uh, flesh is so fun in these early ones. It's just yeah. Roman Sola drawing these awesome dinosaurs and <laughs> like things going crazy basically <laughs> yeah i'm always i'm always freaked out by the sort of the big chunks that are taken out of the tails and the sort of like the backs and mm-hmm. you know so especially on that that first page of old bonai you know it's like the tails barely hanging on yeah you definitely so, get a sense that these guys have that these dino that these dinos have like lived a life in the prehistoric yeah. world you know um but yeah so earl reagan and his crew arrive at a uh, carver city because I, th- I guess his bu- his like buddy Joe has like got bit by a T Rex and is like poisoned by it. But they mostly just have sort of standard old west difficulties <laughs> with the evil claw carver, like a lot of like saloon fights and things like that. Um, yeah, only Drunk, for drunken, all drunken surgeons and yeah, yeah, just this you know it's all just yeah your standard sort of western thing until suddenly the domed city is attacked by old one eye and there's dinosaurs everywhere eating everybody. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that sort of that uh, that image of sort of uh, you know Reagan sort of like drawing the knife and old one eye in the background. Absolutely, that, that half-eaten guy <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> right, I think that that one picture was actually like, like a, a poster. I think in one of the first 2080 annuals, yeah, they sort it, of took that and then they added a bunch of like pictures of the other launch thrills like Harlem Heroes and Mach, and Mach One yeah. and stuff like that all around it. Yeah, no, I, I quite like the sort of. Uh, you know, these sort of 70s dinos, uh, you know, they're quite upright and yeah, you 
rather than like the revamp Jurassic. Definitely, yeah. There's a there's a nostalgia for that straight backed T Rex, right? Yeah, (laughs) like yeah, doesn't make any sense evolutionarily or anything like that. But it was the one that I saw, yeah, yeah, for my entire life until I was like ten or something, and so it's very like yeah. Well, I had like one of the might have been Aurora. like one of the, one of the model kits, or sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, like one of those that's probably stood about sort of eighteen inches, sort of like tall, that you know, <laughs> yeah, glow in the dark eyes and teeth. And nice. Like that one of the kids. <laughs> Everything's better when it glows in the dark. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we can all agree on that. Um, yeah. So old one eye breaks through, allows a bunch of raptors and pterodactyls and stuff into the base. Um, Carver wants to kill Earl Reagan, who's looking very John Wayne in these, in these pages. Um, but the two agree on a truce until they can get out of the city safely, basically. And that's sort of the, the cliffhanger, I think, like, Prague 5 <laughs> cliffhanger yeah. for this part I, I do, of the story. I do like the, uh, the, the Westworldish sheriff. With his, uh, yeah, robot sheriff, no with guns his in very town. Strict, strict programming <laughs> starts. Yeah, gets destroyed by the dinosaurs, saying no dinosaurs are allowed in town. <laughs> I am not programmed to deal with this situation. <laughs> I, I feel that very often. It's, it's. Like I, I can. I. I know that feel as well. I must say. <laughs> um, but that takes us. To, uh, speaking of things that are terrifying, it's Thrill 12, Fear File Kazan. <laughs> Good old War Marshal Kazan. Yeah, previously Carlos, in these... Uh, Carlos artwork. Absolutely. Yeah, previously in these annuals, we've had uh, fact files on people. But now we're... This this annual, we're doing all uh, bad guys. So it's Fear Files. Right. Uh, in this case, yeah, for, for War Marshal Kazan, the head of the... Uh, of, uh, Soft sit ones forces and stuff. Oh, it's real fun. I I just always love how they uh they include his last words in here, which are I I apologize for nothing. <laughs> which... <laughs> I regret nothing. I'm, I'm, I don't know where this uh, vanity is only weakness. He wore special glasses to hide the bulging eyes that mark all clones. What? <laughs> Whoa, that's that's new information. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's new information. I mean, dread looks like. Um, Sort of Marty Feldman or Peter, Peter Lorre or I mean, it's hard to tell with Dread because he's also had um, in the course Robo of his eyes. time. Yeah, he's got Robo eyes and just in the course of the, of the twenty years before the Prague starts, he's got he's he's so horribly scarred that Tharg has to put like a censored picture over his head <laughs> when the first time you see his face and it like his face is so ugly that it causes perps to uh, to surrender. They're like, oh, look at him. <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering whether you like you know if Old Marshal Kazan sort of, like took his. Glasses off, he'd look like, uh, I don't know, Roddy Cox in Total Recall, you know, just sort of. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, Arnold right yeah, at the like end before they the get boom. the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, now he's just lost a lot. He's lost a lot of flavor to me now. That just, just you know, <laughs> he's got silly bulging eyes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think that's canon. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's hard to tell <laughs> what is it is. Rogue's a clone. He, he's glow, glowy eyes, and they don't bulge. Yeah, maybe it's a specific of, of East Meg uh, yes. a, a clothing technology. You know, <laughs> like they they don't have they they didn't uh, what interact with the Judah, so they don't have all the all the advanced stuff or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Fargo superior genes. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, he's just blown. A fox is going to listen to this and not know what is going on. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> But that takes. But speaking of Judge Dredd, that takes us to Thrill Thirteen, Judge Dredd. 
Oh, yes. Uh, one, uh, Alan Grant a third time as staccato for the script robot. Uh, Art robot Robin Smith letting robot Tom frame. So this is just frame. Not even, not even, a, not even a T. He does frame, frame a lot. Like I, when I first read the progs for a long time, I, 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 I would just notice it being frame, and I thought that was like a, like a lettering company or something. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's perfect for like a company that just draws the panels and word bubbles yeah. of a comic, you know. Yeah. But. So this one's uh, dead in the center of the annual. It's a full in color, color dread story. Yeah. It's 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 really fun. Um, there's a crazy alien fang beast that's just sort of eating people, and dread's yeah. trying to stop him. But it's very much of a like, hey, quit doing that. Sort of trying to yeah. stop him. <laughs> um, the beast sort of you know he shoots him a couple times. The beast flies away basically unhurt, and the alien owner of the menagerie is arrested, which I think is fair because I, I feel like we've seen a couple alien menagerie stories in the course of these annuals and there's always something wrong go, going wrong with them like something must yeah. be done you know <laughs> yeah i like his name as well pt bunham definitely yeah <laughs> it's just it's pt bunham he's just a green guy with uh with, with antenna it's good times yeah that's a 1950s american sitcom absolutely yes yeah, super alien yeah well, well, well hey speaking of which um we go to the bill bixby bot bill bixby block which is, of course, named after the guy that was both um, the Incredible Hulk, the the human part of the Incredible Hulk, and he was the uh, the non-alien on the '50s alien TV sitcom My Favorite Martian, yes. <laughs> where we see a uh, an obvious nerd whose name is a uh, Kelvin Gosper, which I can only imagine is a burn on Kelvin Gosnell. Like yeah. that's gotta be. It must <laughs> There's- be. There's got to be something going on in there. You don't just name somebody Kelvin when there's a guy named Kelvin in the office, you know? <laughs> You're trying to do around. something. Yeah. Well, I know there's a, there's, a, there's a Judge Manus uh, on the uh, on the previous page as well. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of in-jokes in this thing that kids would never have gotten. It's pretty funny. <laughs> But he's wearing, he's just like a super nerd. He's wearing this, yeah, striped. Single, single knee pad. Yeah, striped shirt overalls with the knee pad. That's how you know he's a Mega City One citizen. Because everybody's got to have knee pads. Or just one, usually. Just one. But he's doing a, a science experiment when the fang beast flies in his window and eats him. Um, his parents come in and they just assume that the experiment he's done has turned him into the fang beast. And yeah, I mean, they, that, that wouldn't be my first sort of uh, uh, conclusion. I just love how after that they just start being like real bad parents to him, like <laughs> yelling at him and like making him fix the window and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that that night, um, he go the the fang beast eats the neighbors <laughs> and. Poor old Dawson's. Yeah, as Dred's investigating, and the dad basically like takes his belt off, and he's gonna like spank the fang beast for eating the neighbors. Like that's that's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's what happens when you uh, indulge in corporal punishment. I guess so. You know, lesson to parents, I suppose. <laughs> so Dred barges in just as the fang beast, having eaten the dad, escapes, and. Uh, Dred goes to shoot, and the mom's like, no, don't shoot my son. <laughs> Though, eventually, Dred manages to get a high explosive shot off on the beast. It falls to his death. Much to the sadness of Kelvin's mom, she's going to the psycho cubes. 
Like it's this, yeah. it's this ultimate pathos moment of like, you've killed my son and all that stuff. But you know, it's lost because her, she's mourning the death of the, of this like giant oh, oh, horrible alien monster beast that's eaten her son and her husband. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's still class. It's my favorite dread thing where again, you know, the, the victims are arrested along with the, <laughs> With with, yeah. the, with the criminals, that's the yeah, key. Yeah, I, I always like that. When the citizens are idiots, <laughs> definitely. But speaking of more uh, classic 2080 villains, it's Thrill Fourteen, Fear Factor, Artie Gruber, and Thug's Mega Crossword. Oh, I, I love Artie Gruber. Absolutely, yeah. He's. I, I think he was probably like the character that made the most, you know, the most impression in the early progs. You know, more than anybody else. I, you know. I love Bellard Nelly's uh, sort of art and, you know, and, and Gibbons art. And I, I think I drew loads yeah. of sort of Artie Gruber type creatures. Absolutely. Yeah. I f- you know, there aren't a ton of like, I mean, I guess maybe like Call Me Kenneth or something. There aren't really a ton of like really distinctive villains in early 2080, I think. Or, you know, Kenneth and, and Old One Eye, or that sort of yeah. a conversation about if Old One Eye is the villain or the protagonist of Flesh, but whatever. Are you, are you <laughs> saying that the Mekon is not a classic villain? I mean, I feel like, well, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like 2000. I feel, I feel like Space Spinner 2000 has come down on our feelings on the Mekon <laughs> over the years. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't I mean, know. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, like the, the, the Mekon, I mean, I never read Eagle when I was, I was a kid, so I you know, came out and it was just, ah, it, it, you know, it's all right, but he's no biog. Yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, this is sort of a larger conversation, but I feel like, like few comic book villains rely more on nostalgia than than the Mekon, I think, where he's really got to be someone who you read when you were a little kid and sort of freaked you out or something. So now he sort of carries something. But if you don't have that experience, then he's just kind of a guy who's sitting, who's sitting on a flying toilet with a giant head, you know? Yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess he's sort of like, yeah, maybe not not as extreme, but I mean, sort of like if some somebody came cold to Judge Death and go, "Oh, he looks a bit goofy," you know. Yeah. Whereas if you if you you know grew up with it, then yeah, I think it's a, just a, a a different thing. But I I mean, for me, it's even less than that because at least like you know you can see Judge Death like killing people and like yeah. sort of you know he's got some modifiers that or like you know he's, he's got sort of like like some pieces of flair that make him look evil with all the skull stuff and things yeah. like that yeah. whereas yeah, kind the, of the, the, the makeup's not immediately threatening like yeah that. he's kind of you know it's it's rough but anyhow i want to talk about Artie gruber because he's awesome yeah <laughs> and yeah, yeah he, he's great and i i keep pushing to uh I, my, my my theory is like all right he's a cyborg so i'd he could technically be sort of still knocking around in Dredge Universe. I'd I mean, like he's, to see him. Yeah, he's definitely in, you know, all this all this Harlem Heroes stuff is definitely in uh, Dread continuity, you know? You could have, like, a crazy showdown of, like, Judge Giant and, and Artie yeah. Gruber in, like, 2050, 2150 yeah. or something, and it'd be yeah. really amazing, I think. Yeah, I, I just like him that, you know, he's sort of like the biological bits are still sort of, you know, getting even yeah. more, you know... Uh, yeah, decrepit, but, yeah, uh, like the bionics. I mean, they sort of do it a little bit with. Uh, I don't think you've got to it yet. The of uh, oh, the the Christmas episode with the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have done that. Um, the the Night of the Rad Beast. Yeah, yeah. Night of the Rad Beast sort of thing. It's uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that guy would li- the the guy in Night of the Rad Beast was born in like the in like the nineteen seventies. You know, yeah. <laughs> like there's precedent for it. That's what I'm trying to say. President of Lee Majors block. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised it's not the uh, John Probe block, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> also, I want to say also, Ar- Artie Gruber is one of the scariest 2080 villains because he almost got 2080 canceled. <laughs> Yeah. In terms of existential threat, that really puts him on a level all of his own, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, anything involving petrol is uh, in the kids' comic is probably. It, yeah, know, it's it's, you know, it's definitely like that. Refrigerators and apparently pickling people. <laughs> and uh, and and jumping from great heights also because yeah, those always have always have have disclaimers on them and stuff. Yeah, don't um, be a dumb dumb. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So after that, there's a 2080 themed crossword, uh, just usual, you know, crossword stuff, whatever. Yep. But then the thing I feel like everybody's waiting for when we do one of these annuals and stuff, it's Kevin O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Thrill 15, Nemesis the Warlock. Yes. Uh, Script robot Pat Mills, art robot, as you said, Kev O'Neill, letting robot Steve Potter. Yeah, really... Really, uh, desperately trying to get back in our good graces after Bonjo earlier in the annual. <laughs> I wonder whether that was intentional. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's definitely a very, it's definitely a, a roller coaster ride in terms of my uh, Kev O'Neill opinions. <laughs> but, um, but this one's um, kind of shares what was in um, the last annual because that had a very like nemesis story that was like the the uh, the history of the Blitzspear and stuff. Yeah. And this yeah, one, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a short one. It's only a, like a four pager, but yeah, it, it packs it packs a lot in. Absolutely, yeah. This one's more about is is all about uh, Torquemada, how he like needs uh, fresh humans to retain his physical form. You know how like termites just this huge like warren of um of like monks doing illuminated manuscripts and things and everybody's a little you know everybody starts a little bit crazy and kind of goes a lot crazy as just sort of time goes by basically (laughs) yeah there's a lot of pointy heads in this absolutely oh man yeah absolutely (laughs) Um, yeah i mean so pat mills just posted uh because he lives in spain and they have the uh the religious sort of like festivals mm. you know basically i mean everybody goes oh you know the pointy head sort of thing is a reference to the clan, but I think it's more to do with the uh, they called Caparote. Yeah, the sort of the, yeah. sort of the, 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 the Easter sort of penitents and yeah, I feel he, he like he's like he posted these little, little gingerbread men. Who, oh, who I saw are, that as being menaced by a, by a by a ne- by a nemesis statue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know, it, it's it's weird, sort of like you know, I, I don't know what the actual you know how the clan adopted that sort of thing being sort of anti-catholic amongst other things yeah uh you know it's uh but i'm uh, i mean i'm guessing sort of you know because both sort of kevin and pat had the sort of catholic upbringing i guess the uh you know that that must sort of you know the, the sort of uh, the catholic side of uh yeah i could, yeah. Must have I could definitely see it coming from that. something like that you know it's it, it's it's always yeah it, it can be easy to see pointy hats and think clam but it could be definitely like be you know some something where both of where Everybody's drinking from the same original pool or something like yeah. that too. Be something even weirder or or, or more objectionable almost. <laughs> um, but so we see Torquemada getting a, uh, a, a illuminated bestiary, for a, like a book from one of the um, yeah. crazy monks, and they sort of he like with the book in hand, <laughs> he makes dispatched rather. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he like makes his way home through the terror tubes. We get this awesome picture of him just walking, um, like to his house basically. But he's got to go through this tunnel in this gigantic, like Terminator on a on a horse that just looks yeah. completely insane. 
like oh, just... uh, yeah oh god that, that's such an amazing statue i mean i would uh, i keep sort of like you know meaning to go oh i'd love to sort of like sculpt one of these sort of things to, <laughs> to have a look at in vr you mm-hmm. know just sort of because that would be the sort of thing that uh yeah it's not it's not like the work of you know work of making the film but just to sort of like to walk around something like that in vr would be amazing definitely there's so much ridiculous statuary in all these nemesis stories when you get to termite there's all the other these like giant giant terminators coming out of like the rock or like walking through like people's like a rib cages and things like that (laughs) yeah i mean it's, it's one of the things where you know i could yeah, to have somebody you know turn that into a movie, it's like oh, I don't know, like whether anybody would be insane enough to sort of put up the money because I, I just don't think it's um, it all. It would you know it would be a surefire you know uh, box office bomb, right? <laughs> people would just wouldn't get it. It'd be brilliant, but it, people <laughs> just wouldn't get it. So. <clears throat> Yeah, it, it feels like one of those things that, like, you would show it to a director, and it's like, this would be amazing, but it would also, like, fl- you know, no one would understand it. It's, <laughs> it's too ambitious, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I feel like it's the problem that, like, uh, like, I mean, in, in a similar vein of, like, making, like, like a, like a Warhammer 40,000 movie or something mm-hmm. where, you know, the base, the baseline stuff, most people look at it and be like, this is too over the top. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's too much. Yeah. But I, we, I think yeah. I think it's the sort of thing that you've got to build up to. It's right. um, it's like a, I think if you sort of went straight for like Thor Ragnarok or Doctor Strange or you know, rather than building up to it with yeah. you know, Iron Man and Hulk and da 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 and you can you can sort of like you can work your way up to it. But if you go in gold uh, cold, you sort of go in no, with yeah, Valerian and you just lose yeah. a ton of money. Yeah, it's it, it it's too much at once, you know. Yeah. But so we see Torquemada sort of go to his house. He sees his mom, uh, Mercala de Torquemada, and then he goes to see his wife, Candida, in their bedroom. And it turns out that this that this bestiary with all the like these gruesome pictures of monsters and stuff is is her birthday present. And they like get in bed and like turn to the page on Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday! Happy birthday! I've got I brought you terror. <laughs> <laughs> and it just ends yeah. with with his with the the entry on Nemesis, and you get this great giant Nemesis picture with like his nose blades dripping with like God knows or what. Whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I don't think uh, his uh, Tormod's mother never really sort of like turns. I, th- I think she's doing a poster, but I don't. Other than that, yeah, I know like. especially with what we're talking about on the show, like Nemesis is is about to come back to the progs, um, like on our next episode, basically. Mm -hmm. And even then that it's a lot of home life with Nemesis, not with Torquemada. So, so far, pretty much all we know about these characters is what we saw in that one pinup a couple months ago. Right. With like the names and a lot of like implied relationships, but not actual like backstory about it. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's interesting because obviously you know the expression on uh, Candida's sort of like face right. is—it's uh, not a happy marriage. No, or, 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 or certainly sort of like you know not at this point. Although it seems to sort of like they seem to have uh, a yeah, better time sort of like as it as it sort of like goes on. Right, there might have been happier times like when Torquemada had a body or something. <laughs> but now that he's now that he's a ghost inhabiting like uh, corpses, it's definitely t- taken a turn, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I don't think the sort of uh, the Necromonicon sort of, uh, sort of book type thing is. It's, yeah, prob- it's, it's not a box of chocolates. Yeah, it's, it's not what they're talking about when they say that it's the paper anniversary. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting sort of seeing. I mean, I was having a look at some of the other, uh, sort of the later Nemesis sort of ones where they sort of like switched to Brian Talbot and uh, mm. they got this whole thing where they're echoing sort of Tormada, sort of Prince Charles and Candida is sort of uh, Lady oh, interesting. Diana sort of thing, you know, <laughs> so that, that the whole royal wedding sort of and. You know, <laughs> I can imagine, you know, Pat's uh, opinion of uh, royalty isn't probably... Uh, no, I would imagine... It's, it's all a bit sort of circus to, to you know... Right. <laughs> you know, to distract the proles. But, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a lovely sort of like, full page, and like you say, it's, it's a nice sort of uh, mirror of the... Um, the yeah, the history, of the Blitzbeer story. See, see, yeah. Life of Blitzbeer. Yeah, just getting a little bit more of like, you know, fleeting glimpses of these characters' as home lives and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but speaking of uh, of uh, creators of 2080 strips, I guess uh, we go to Thrill 16. Meet the droids. Fear file, traitor general. So first we get uh, Rojaws, who's introducing us to a bunch of new um, creator droids. The 2080 offices. There's the Alan Moore droid with its long hair and beard. <laughs> And um, the, I don't know and, how that works. You know, they, they try to make an explanation for it, but it's not like the. It's more like, yeah, listen, this guy's got a hair and beard. We got to like work around it, you know. And um, then also for uh, for cranky oil, the cranky oil guzzling Tom Frame droid, which I thought was pretty funny. Like, <laughs> like no one knows where Tom, where the Frame Bot came from. He just turned up one day and was like, you know, like watch it, got the letter, letter in for me. <laughs> and then yeah i mean yeah. The, the other guys i mean i don't know, you know yeah these are just the just sort of fictional ones that yeah uh, they're the pop culture droids uh specs dj1 and uh d mill which are i you know all these features that are probably just written by like richard burton or yeah. uh, steve McManus or something yeah i'm not super super stoked i gotta say about there being these fake ones with the real ones no. especially because we're starting to get little pieces of some of the other ones like i think like uh like in a recent episode i just noticed like the Ascarabot, like the cost of yeah. was in there too and he hasn't had a feature yet you know yeah yeah, we've got we've got plenty of real ones before we get to these uh, fake yeah, ones. Exactly. You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did suggest to sort of uh, to Pat that because um, uh, somebody was talking about you know, King's Reach Tower and all this sort of like fiction of mm-hmm. you know how it was a spaceship and the interiors and the sort of like cross sections <laughs> and stuff like that. I was just saying that I imagine there's an alternate universe where the publisher was some Elon Musk billionaire and he actually did it. He sort of fitted it out to look like a spaceship and made all the creators wear robot costumes. Oh my gosh. Oh man, if those if all those guys didn't hate Tharg already, (laughs) that would really cross the line. But so after this, there's the fear file for the traitor general from Rogue Trooper. And I think this is kind of a funny fear file because we actually don't really know very much about the traitor general at this point. So it's a lot of like unknowns and like maybe this is happenings, you know? Yeah, yeah. It always slightly bugged me that we never actually found out which one of the ones yeah, they, was on buzzard and sort of. Yeah, sort of on, yeah, they, they didn't like. Name or anything. Yeah. yeah, they gave us. Yeah, even now, it's just like still just like the traitor general. He's got like a son and we don't know his name. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so. <laughs> yeah. I don't spe- know. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I guess, you know, the traitor general wants the commandant of Glasshouse G. And speaking of space prisons, it's uh, <laughs> Thrill 17 Ace Trucking. As um, Ace gives us an update from his time in space prison where we left him at the end of 1981, uh, or of, of 82, I should say. Um, 
And I, I just imagine this is John Wagner, like, getting out all of his, um, like, CB radio talk, because he hasn't had a chance to do it in, like, a year or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, weird, because, I mean, like, CB radio was illegal in the UK up until 81. Really? Like, yeah, I was, I, was, I was looking back at it, and, uh, yeah, it was only, like, uh, legalized in, in sort of nearly 82. <laughs> So, That's I mean, amazing. Yeah, I mean, my dad had a sort of like a CB radio set, and uh, I was quite aware that it was illegal. Huh. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just so, yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why it sort of why it sort of like really took off, but uh, but yeah, I, I think mean, once it actually yeah. became legal, it, it sort of like died a death of it. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the uh, not being there is, is or or being legal obviously takes things out, but I think also I don't know. I feel like CB radios are really like you can really draw a direct line from people on CB radios to like Twitter or like mm. or like message boards or something of getting oh, yeah. people a chance to talk with like jargon and and other things yeah. like that, you know. Yeah, I think you know it probably becomes this this little club to start with, and then once it becomes sort of like mainstream, and people sort of like you know the sort of the early adopters just sort of drift away and yeah. uh, move on yeah, to other becomes weirder a, bit, a, a little bit a little less fun. Yeah. But I always just, I always just love how this is such a predictable, like, I don't know, like, I, you know, it's one of the pillars of, of, of like John Wagner and Alan Grant's like a comedy minds or something like that. Like CB radios, like rednecks and like sports announcers announcing like uh, terrible things happening very calmly, you know, like those, those four things are the big, are the big, are the big uh, signposts. That's your go-to sort of things. You should yeah. um, you should check out. Um, I mean, John's been doing a strip called Rock of the Reds. I've uh, I've read a couple of, a, a couple of issues of that. And it's very much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm mean, a sort of. Uh, I don't know how that will translate so outside the UK, but I'm I'm not a football fan, and I, I still enjoyed it. So it's uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but you, you can sort of see that sort of thing, as, as, especially with the uh, you know like the commentary from the uh, like the Greek chorus of the uh, right the exactly. Crowd and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and then we just have a big full page picture of the of the speedo ghost and all the crew and just sort of talking yeah. about what everybody does and stuff like that it's good i feel like this is one of these um every once in a while there's sort of like n- nostalgia things in these annuals of like you know here's a story that we haven't had for a long time let's just sort of mm-hmm. like you know have a feature on it just to kind of bring yeah. you back up to speed and stuff yeah i mean i guess they might sort of change with it i don't know whether Ace Trucking, you know, took like the odd break, so maybe, maybe they sort of yeah. scheduled these in, bet- in between the breaks. To yeah, sort of, that, yeah, it, it is because yeah. it, it like it, you know, Ace kind of goes to jail and it stops sort of at the end of '82, and then I think it comes back in like summer of '84 or something like mm. that. So it's not in '83, so this is a good spot to just sort of like keep it on people's radar, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. And speaking of uh, classic space things, it's a uh, Thrill Eighteen Future Shocks. This is a, a classic future shock from Prague 52, actually. Um, yeah. The script robots, Chris Lauder as Jack Adrian, letting, the art robots, Brian Ball, and the letting robots, Peter Knight. Um, and this one, you know, this was a pretty standard future shock, I guess. Um, <laughs> there's an astronaut. He's on a six-year journey into deep space. He quickly goes mad from, isolations, from isolation and then escapes. And it turns out to be a simulator. And he was only inside it for like 10 seconds, basically. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think whether uh, like one of these, one of these was reprinted. I don't know whether it's this print, uh, this one, or it might be like one of the Future Shock trades, but they actually missed out a page. <laughs> so, 
So I think I, I think it went from like just like page one to page three, you know. And he just sort of. I mean, it's just a lot of him, like sort of walking around, being like, "Oh, I'm all alone," you know. Yeah. Um, I like this one just because this is literally the plot of the first episode of the Twilight Zone. Uh, oh, really? Okay. It's, uh, it's, yeah, there was I there mean, was a lot of um, yeah. stealing. I mean. From, uh, in that one, it's like a guy walking around a town and, um, he's like all alone and he's isolated, just shouting, where is everybody and stuff. And right. then it's sort of revealed that he was actually imagining all of that. And he was in like a, in a test space capsule to sort of test like cause someone going to Mars, basically. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Th- there's a few of those. There's, uh, what is this? I think it's called like 500 yards over the ridge. Basically, it's sort of like a time traveling cowboy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah uh, the, there's one that's ripped off sort of like from that in yeah uh, <laughs> as a future shock or a time twister or right something like that. yeah there's there's quite a few there's um yeah i mean you know it, it, it's a well everybody draws from you know i really yeah, like this one so, though just, more than yeah. that. <laughs> it's true yeah i i really like this one though just because brian ball does a really great job of sort of showing this oh, guy's descent into madness you know like just the way he draws his face and stuff is really awesome yeah, I love I love the uh, the guy carrying him off on the on the last page. <laughs> They're just oh, everybody's no, <laughs> everybody's so pissed that he was only in there for like ten seconds. Like it's pretty clear <laughs> that like a lot went into getting this guy to that point. They're just like ten seconds. Come on, <laughs> guy made the suit and everything. <laughs> yeah, like you know, come on, buddy. <laughs> It's pretty good. If it's been speaking of, I guess, of, of classic uh, science fiction television, more or less. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a thrill nineteen robusters with a script robot Alan Moore, art robot Joe Eckers, and letting and letting robot Steve Potter. Um, this is yeah. This is the third robuster story Alan Moore's written for two thousand eighty annuals, but it's the only work that Joe Eckers has done for uh, the galaxy's greatest. I think he may, may have gone on to start doing like storyboards for Disney or something like that. That's what IMDb right. tells me. Um, but so this one, you know, there's actually been a, a couple like robusters things that are also like Thunderbirds references, you know. But yeah. this one just goes goes for the <laughs> goes for the brass ring, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, the Robusters are going for, you know, this is sort of back like pre, uh, Fall and Rise, right? So it's just sort of yeah. doing disaster, um, d- disaster stuff with Howard Quartz and Rojas and Hammerstein. But they keep getting scooped by, um, the, these, the Storm Eagles that fly in and fix everything. And yeah, I mean, they're just literally, the, they're literally the, like, like the Thunderbirds down to like a dad with like a string for, like, like a, a bow string for a tie and like a yeah, nerdy one. So- with glasses <laughs> yeah colonel sanders sort of uh, yeah and then like a, a nerdy one that like has glasses and stutters and stuff <laughs> um yeah and they've got the merchandise to prove it basically <laughs> but so um you know the robusters kind of slink off after these thunderbird after the storm eagles quote unquote do their thing um and we learn that the storm eagles are actually so successful because they've been creating the very disasters they're solving. No, oh, scum. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we see that they're sending their agent, Lady Prunella, and her manservant Jobsworth to create a new disaster <laughs> at the weather station. Um, she enters the wrong code. She en- the code's supposed to be B eight hundred one, but it's B B B B eight hundred one because apparently the brain guy stutters when he talks. <laughs> Or he's stutters when he writes. Carlos, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That yeah. seems to be a a, re- a reoccurring thing in this annual. People <laughs> writing like they talk. 
and this and like Lady Prunella like speaks in the in the royal one, which is such a weird thing to me. I guess. <laughs> like you know, one has quite put one's foot in it, you know. And then <laughs> talks to her butler. The butler's like, "Yes, yes, mum," you know. Very a lot of English stuff going on here. It seems like. <laughs> Um, but so with the wrong code enter in, it's now making a massive, um, disaster. So it's time to call in the road. So the, uh, the storm eagles are forced to call in the robusters to handle it. Um, they spring into action. We get a rare, some rare action scenes of the actual praying mantis doing things, um, which is not, doesn't happen very much in the, in the actual progs. Oh, it did happen in, uh, in, in Star Wars, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like, the praying mantis was just in 2000 AD to have some technical drawings of it and, and then be destroyed essentially. <laughs> but it's cool. We see, yeah, just everybody being saved. Like, like we see a uh, road, like, uh, sorry, a uh, mech quake, like filling in uh cavern, like rents in the ground from earthquakes and stuff. <laughs> I think you need a lot of traffic to, uh, to fill in that, uh, that chasm, but you know, I mean, you big jobs, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, every, so the day is saved, uh, to celebrate quartz raises rates by 25%. <laughs> Some of the crowds like, make it 30. There must be, uh, one of the quartz's lackeys. Right. <laughs> and the, uh, the storm eagles are out of the disaster saving game. Now they're going to be in disaster movies, starting with the killer bees have risen from the grave where they'll play the bees. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> Womp womp, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to know what Alan Moore's uh, opinion of Thunder. I mean, Thunderbird is it's quite well loved, but I, I guess it probably fits in a bit with a, you know, Dandere sort of. Uh, it's quite safe and. Yeah, but but know. I also feel like it's the kind of like like classic like kind of like kitschy kids thing that like Alan Moore mm-hmm. really likes, like sort of the stuff that doesn't like Top Ten or other things like that, you know. Yeah. It's got that kind of like brightly colored like nostalgia thing that I feel like he yeah. goes in for a lot. Yeah, I noticed uh, uh, lady, not was it Lady Prunella, mm-hmm. uh, the Lady Penelope sort of right. the number plate is Hagwon. Just <laughs> oh, it's a bit uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just like I don't know. I feel I feel like there was a character like that in Thunderbirds. That's what I got from like my Google. Oh, yeah. oh, there's, there's Lady Penelope with a fab one uh, right. pink Rolls Royce. So uh, yeah, and her, her butler was uh, Parker, who was yeah. doing the whole "Yes, my lady." <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's weird stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's pretty weird. I'm yeah, I kind of would like to sort of uh, a regular art droid on on it. Yeah, it's definitely. It definitely sticks out, yeah. Just sort of who someone who isn't really down with the style, like it. It, it uh, it's it's an unusual like artwork for it, for sure. Yeah, I'm um, of course. I don't think Ian Gibson's ever done any uh, uh, robusters, no. but I think he would have been a good fit for something like this. I could see that. Although I, I'd, I'd worry that the robots would start crossing over with Robo Hunter too much, <laughs> almost. Nothing wrong with crossovers. That's true. <laughs> and speaking of asking people questions, it's uh. Thrill 20, Ask Tharg, how a 2080 cover is created, cover to cover Thrill Power, D-Bill's Movie Mad Quiz, and Fear Fire Tiger Commander. Let's get them all in. 
<laughs> oh god, there's a lot here. Yeah, just a lot of. This is where we get to the sort of the filler period of the. Yeah. Um, of this, the is, this is on the nice. This is on the nice paper as well. It's I so weird. We've had Nemesis on that nice paper. I feel like it's just on the nice paper to get like the pictures for the uh, for the for movie quiz or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um. But so we start with basically um, a letters page, essentially. Tharg answers a bunch of reader mail that are all sort of like dumb Tharg questions, and he answers them dumbly, basically. As old as many lifetimes, but as young as tomorrow's dream. Surely that is obvious to even a human mind. <laughs> what I think is the big deal here is, though, you can see that there's no budget for this annual because the prizes for these things are like one buck and two buck for, or <laughs> one pound and then two pounds for pictures. And like it starts at three pounds in the Prague, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, they were paying uh, Earthlet like Godfrey for his uh, three-pound word. Uh, yeah, he's the big uh, winner the in this annual. But yes, there's also like some good pictures of like uh, there's a Tharg Statue of Liberty, several pictures of Tharg killing monsters, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is just you know, I f- there must be like. I feel like, yeah, there's a bunch of, like, circular full, like, of, of a circular files in the 2080 offices at this point. And, like, yeah. one is Tharg questions. Two is, like, just letters asking when, Th- when Dredd is going to take his helmet off. And, like, <laughs> the third one are, like, legacy ones asking when, Mel- when Meltdown Man's going to melt, basically. <laughs> like, you know, they just sort of like, all right, let's toss these Tharg ones in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, adults ask uh, repetitive, dumb questions, so I can't imagine what sort of like ten-year-old kids must do. It's uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially when they're trying to earn when, when they're trying to earn three pounds or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if people are offering three quid, I'd ask a lot of stupid questions. As Man, well. I would be way more active on Twitter, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> so next, we have um, basically the rough draft, and then the final cover of Prague two thirty three of Prague two thirty six, I should say. Um, yeah. And, um, it's kind of yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, I, I just find it interesting that sort of because um, I mean this is like Robin sort of uh, pretty much telling Brian what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's two pages and and the bottom is sort of the finished Brian Ballin cover, but then the top is basically Robin Smith drawing the whole thing and sending it <laughs> sending it out with like some like various like sort of like like piece of advice and stuff. Yeah, I mean it really is a bit sort of like uh, yeah. Not, not exactly insulting, but it's like, you know, I think like Brian had been sort of like, you know, around, uh, around the block enough to sort of. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just, honestly, yeah. this is right at the end of Brian's, of Brian Ballin's work on 2000 AD. Like, I think this is his last, um, like, like the block, his, his work in block mania is like the last, um, 2080 stuff he does, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so it, it could be very much like there's he's sort of out the door, so they're kind of telling him to do things right. or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Sort of like you know, these days, I can't imagine to be that prescript, uh, prescriptive about you know. They would just say, "Oh, can we have dread on the cover?" Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or I mean, even like if they, that. even if they did do that, they, they'd probably like make it in like you know, like paint with like clip art or something. Oh yeah. yeah. Like this is a lot of like sort of hand drawn stuff. I think it is really interesting how they're basically saying, like, hey, this is a rush, we need this by Tuesday, and they've just decided they're gonna call it Block Mania instead of Block Wars. Like they've literally like crossed out Block Wars on the cover. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's sort of uh and Brian sort of like not being known for the, being that quick. 
Yeah, it's an interesting, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting, like, it's very interesting, like, how the sausage is made sort of thing of, of, of both what they're saying and what can be extrapolated from what, the, what we yeah. see on this page, you know? Um, so after this, there's a big collect. Quite no, urgently, next Tuesday at latest. It's really like, yeah, we got I'd, I'd love to know, like, how much, uh, probably less than a week, sort of. Yeah, it must be a pretty quick turnaround if they like when they aren't when 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 you say Tuesday as opposed to like the seventeenth, right? That yeah. sort of <laughs> says to me that it's like oh, less than a week, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean Steve Dillon probably could have done it in a day, you know. Sort of, uh... Right? Yeah, have Ron Smith just turn on his uh, his clock, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wind up club. right but so after that we have um a big collection of 2080 co- of 2080 covers and this one's kind of a bummer too just because it's in black and white so they've sort of dropped a big element of these covers out of them you know yeah um they also give stats for who has the most covers for the first 300 progs dread has 88 and dan dare is in second with 26 which i mean because I mean, dread would have been i mean like the first 70 progs i mean you know you had like dan dare on the cover yeah and uh yeah. a lot of the, sort of the, the random ones so there wasn't that that much dread so it'd be a lot higher if it would uh i guess if it was more like the uh you know the second sort of couple of hundred yeah he's definitely well yeah he's definitely like gained a lot of ground back i'd say to be not to be the number one yeah after sort of that first like hundred progs where there's a lot of those few yeah of the futures of the future what are those called? I don't know. The future scan covers, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it's a whole period where the Dandare lost, where the first page of Dandare was on the cover. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah. They, I mean, you know, there's definitely been a lot of dread covers since then. Like a lot of, like he was on the, he was in, in the apocalypse war, well, like once a month or so, but it's interesting numbers for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So after that, there's a bunch of uh, sci-fi movie trivia questions by uh, D. Mill, and then there's oh, pi- fake robot. It's man, it, it's 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 galling, honestly. But any, <laughs> but you know, and then well, I mean, what, yeah, I mean, what's really weird about it is like the amount of uh, films on there that kids wouldn't have seen. Yeah, like, or, Escape, Escape from New York probably wouldn't have seen. There's a ton of like R-rated movie questions, yeah. and then like all or uh, I, I forget what you call it in, in England, but like, and then all the all the, but then all the pictures are for like like there's a picture for like Dragon Slayer and for mm. Outland. This you know. <laughs> Sean Connery movie, like yeah. not the ones I would have picked, I guess, for what they're talking about. Yeah, there's like, that's what, like alien and stuff, like things that these 2000 AD comics specifically exist because kids can't watch them and they want to watch yeah. I mean, comic I've, book versions of them. Yeah, I mean, I had the alien sort of, uh, the Walt Simmons, is it Walt Simmonson sort of, uh, Oh, yeah, the the the, the, comic, the comic book version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had that because my sort of parents bought that for me because I couldn't see it. Right. Although it's, it's still got loads of swearing and blood in it, so I'm not <laughs> sure exactly how that. I think they just didn't look. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's just a bit odd that uh, you got all these uh, ones that kids wouldn't have seen, like Rollerball. They wouldn't have seen Rollerball. You know, yeah. that that's the whole reason for like, Harlem Heroes and and uh, Spinball know, too in uh, spinball, in, in action yeah, in, yeah. In, in action sort of uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, and, it was you know, like ten years this ago. This is like pre VHS as well, so there's absolutely, you know, <laughs> <Right>. no way. <laughs> yeah, it's just lost to time at this point. <laughs> it's pretty. Oh man, just a whole different universe in like 1982. <laughs> I don't know. Um, finally, we go to a fear file for Tiger Commander, the evil henchman of Lee Shar in Meltdown Man. Oh man, I love Tiger Commander. He's a lot of fun. I, 
Yeah, uh, he's sort of Bellardinelli's sort of beautiful ink work on on, on that. It's uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so many of these of these of these meltdown man guys have a, have a lot going on with them. It's definitely like Bellardinelli having a lot of fun making like yeah, like a tiger guy or a, or a wolf mm. guy or something like that. I feel like yeah. Um, Absolutely. And speaking of a, of more classic 2018, it's a Thrill 21 Flesh Part 2. Oh, man. So same same credits as before. <laughs> yeah, good old rewrite. And- yeah. It's a six and, at Prague 6 and 7 of Flesh. Um, Claw Carver fighting off Raptors. Earl Reagan's buddy Joey. He's healed up and good to go. Uh, old One-Eye kills her own son, who's possibly Satanus, I think. Um and then, like for trying to steal her meal, basically, yeah. um, you know, Claw Carver abandons Reagan to be eaten by Old One Eye, as the rest of the Trans Time guys are sent home by evil Trans Time management. Um, and and uh, yeah, the ro- the robot's head is still bouncing about, still telling people that robot that dinos aren't allowed in the city. <laughs> and. Uh, Earl Reagan manages to survive with the old uh, put like a beam in in the middle of the jaws trick, which drives old one eye mad, and she like goes running off and like eats a eats a brontosaurus basically to to power back up, um, and it kind of yeah. ends on the big cliffhanger of like all right we're gonna have to like you know these dinosaurs are getting crazy so we gotta like walk back to the Trans Time Corporation to warn them it's gonna take hundreds of miles like yeah. let's get on the trail you know. It's it's kind of odd that they sort of like put this you know a chunk of uh, an ongoing story rather than self contained. Yeah. One. I mean, because uh, the other reprints were sort of sort of self contained, like the dread ones and, and things yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah it's, it's the problem with um with like Flesh and uh, Harlem Heroes actually is that those are both both very much sort of story yeah. comics that sort of have a beginning and then and and go to an end. And so mm. you have to basically choose a chunk of the story. It seems like. You know, and if it's a little, and if it's a little shorter, sometimes I think in the future, like I think they do Shacko, like an abridged version of Shacko in one of these annuals. Um, right. It has a bunch of chunks taken out of it and like, you know, whole, like several, like whole progs taken. But that seems hard for, to me. That seems harder to do with something like flesh, you know, but they've definitely like just slowly been dribbling it out over the course of these annuals. <laughs> And I mean, like, it's, it's no, it, it feels kind of similar to what they did with like Phantom Patrol, honestly, back in the day, mm. where from what I've read, from what I read in those annuals of Phantom Patrol, there was very much stuff going on in between, like, in terms of like, like cast changes and things like that, like them getting like new abilities and things. Right. In the ones that we aren't seeing in the annuals was just kind of like, ah, it's fine. Like, whatever. <laughs> Let's just put it in there and keep moving, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least this has got carnage and, uh, you know. Oh, I mean, you know. Dinosaurs it, going nuts. It's only in the how they handle the uh, <laughs> the serial nature of it that it's similar to Phantom Patrol. I want to make that very clear. You know? <laughs> Maybe we should have a time-traveling dinosaur. Oh, man. I, I would... I would <laughs> there could be a new member of the team is Old One-Eye. <laughs> I want Old One-Eye in everything, man. You know, as I said, it's the strongest female character in the first year of 2000 AD. <laughs> Probably first two years, honestly. <laughs> Eddie, <laughs> let's move on to uh, Thrill 22, Fear of Fire Warden Worldwise. All oh, right, you've only just gone to this, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, we are we're we're ahead of recording, so we're mostly done with Harry Twenty. But yeah, it's the impossibly evil warden of the High Rock. Oh. 
not even <laughs> showing his cape and high collar in this one. No, man, man. but you know, he's, he's, he's only fifty percent evil in this. Right, but he's still yeah. pretty evil. All you have is the eye patch, the scar, and the sneer. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> I just really appreciate how evil Alan Davis really went with Worldwise, you know? It's really like, you know, you know you're in trouble because you just look at him and it's like, holy crap, you know? Uh, I'd love to see this job interview. <laughs> I mean, I feel like 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 he was placed by that uh, supervillain training thing from that one yeah. Alan Moore story, right? <laughs> You know, they just sort of give you an evil name and a couple like evil yeah. like body modifications, and then help you find a job. There's, there's you know? no way his name's Worldwise. No, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, like uh, he was going for the warden job, so he had to pick like a, a W name, basically. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, Worldwise is fun. I like how he goes in the course of Harry Twenty from sort of this like evil overlord to this guy that's like hiding in the air ducts and taunting Harry Twenty and stuff like that, you know. It's got a lot of range as like a supervillain, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of Kirk Douglas in him there, sort of uh... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's got that look. <laughs> but uh and so now let's go to Thrill Twenty Three, the Daily Dreads. These are uh, script robot John Wagner, art robot Ron Smith, letter robot Tom Frame. This is sort of a feature of all the non-progs this year. They have basically six pages of strips from the Daily Star. Yeah. Uh, um, which were Sunday, which were once a week strips, but you know, like their collections called the Daily Dread. So I, that's why I always call them. Um, you know, at first I was sort of down on these, but I've really turned the corner on them just in terms of the way that they tell a story at like lightning speed, you know? Mm. Like there's no, there's no, there's no fat in these, uh, <laughs> in these comic strips, you know? <laughs> no, well, I mean, you know, like famously they sort of did the apocalypse war in that one sort of, right. uh, one strip sort of, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'm sort of like, you know, I'm not a like huge fan of them because I'm, but I, I appreciate a lot of what they do in the sort of uh, yeah. No, I mean, in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read them in, instead in of the progs. But yeah, I just appreciate their like, like, like the economy of storytelling. You know, it's something that I admire in the progs, just in comparison, to like an American comic book where they just tell one story in like twenty pages, versus yeah. tell you know getting a beginning, a middle, and an end with a cliffhanger in like five pages. And now it's like doing a complete story in like two like rows. And it's, you know, there's just a, like, it's just like a, like a puzzle that's put together or something like that, you know? I think uh, Fox would appreciate that Walt is only in one page. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's six, the six stories here. Um, the first one, Dredd takes on some tap gangers who are muggers, you know, robbing people on a moving yep. sidewalk. He takes three of them out. The third one runs and a lady like tackles him and puts him under, under citizen's arrest. But citizen's <laughs> ar- is a, arrest is illegal in Mega City One. So Dredd arrests both of them. <laughs> ah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Dredd arrives in a crime scene and arrests everybody, victim and and perp, I I I, I laugh. I think that's so awesome. It's so quintessentially Judge Dredd, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I do like the sort of you know things where like you know people are getting mugged for incitement. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just you know, everybody's going to the cubes basically. Um, <laughs> next, we see. Um, we just learned about the extensive use of robots in Mega City One, including one criminal who's reprogrammed his robots to rob banks for him. He's like, oh, I'm so happy that you guys are robbing these banks. And the robots are like, we have no opinion either way because we're robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always, I, I quite like the way to, uh, John Magna rides robots. That, you know, it's, uh, 
they're always like you know like the working class sort of thing yeah they're That's very like they, you know, yeah work a day like nine to five robots yeah. Um, yeah so dredge shows up arrests the guy he's like a robot himself but no robot could sentence you to 20 years except Mechanismo. Mechanismo. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Come on, that's not for like 10 years. <laughs> uh, third, we see Dredd chase a bunch of fleeing perps. Um, and then he uses the lawmaster's autopilot to take them down. Cause like, you know, uh, the judges are bad enough. And now we got to worry about the bikes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I like I like the lawmaster. Yeah, man, they're real I good. They do more. I like the, the sarcastic lawmaster is always uh, <laughs> always good fun. A good foil. Um, fourth, yeah. we see Lombardo Chubb, a criminal, enjoying his life of luxury. But then it's a crime blitz. Uh, Dread and a bunch of other judges just you know kick down the door and search for illegal stuff. They find some stolen knee pads, um, some sugar, <laughs> and three overdue library books. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up getting three year or eight years and three months for his various minor offenses, which isn't much for a murdering racketeer like him, but it's a start. <laughs> I'm trying to work out who sort of Swan is supposed to you know, he looks like he's he looks a bit like Ron Smith, I guess. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's got yeah, he's, he's got, he's got, got a, and, so, yeah, and the glasses. It's that kind of like yeah, like that that kind of really specific sort of art where it's like, oh, this is definitely somebody, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely looks a bit Ron Smith. So, uh. hmm. so next up, we have a pair of cool of a dread technical things. Uh, first, dread takes out a judge killer with with ricochet bullets, which he calls Dodgems here, which is sort of the on and off name for them, I guess. <laughs> um, and then when the bullets find their target at the at the perp's ch- uh, shot in the chest, he's put in suspended animation until a cure for the bullet to the heart is found. <laughs> and. This one's this one's actually a funny um, reference or kind of reference, I guess, to this year's uh, Dread Annual, where a guy is was in suspended animation because he was shot in the head three times, and a cure for that is apparently found, and he comes back in time to kill the oh, judges so the that, slap that shot him. What slap? Tynan? Yeah, yes, yes, slap Tynan, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, Dread then puts him in a on a slab next to his past self. <laughs> Like this time he's in there for life, you know. <laughs> I always find the uh, the old Justice HQ a bit weird looking. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's not good. it's not really going with the whole eagle, you know, stroke fascist stroke sort of <laughs> motif. It's just a load of balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally, uh, Walter takes the spotlight as a bunch of bank wobbers won from Dwed and take Walter hostage. Uh, Dwed- uh, you, your, your W's won't work on me. <laughs> Doing my best. <laughs> Dwed shoots through Walter's face and takes the wobber down. Luckily, though, Walter can be repaired. <laughs> <laughs> Boo, Walter! Get out of here! Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I like how that one's like, uh, like presenting Walter. Like he hasn't been in the comic up until that point, and like that was just that's just fine days when there's no Walter around. <laughs> I thought they should have uh, changed the credits for that. I had one uh, Smith and Tom Fine. <laughs> oh man, you know, no one can commit to the to the bit that much, you know. <laughs> like the Daily Mail just isn't having it, I guess. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm out of I'm I'm out of transitions. <laughs> Too many thrills. <laughs> We go to uh, Thrill 24, Tharg's Mighty Answer Pages, and uh, Great Monsters of 2000 AD. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think we need to talk about the answers. No, they're, they're, they exist. No peeking, you rotten kids. Um, then we've entered the uh, the green section of the annual. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit Which, of a weird sort of thing. That, uh, it's something that, know, that always happens in these annuals. Yeah. There's like it's a set two, of pages. Color printing. Yeah. Um, so this was just a rundown of a bunch of different 2080 monsters with like their... Um, their backgrounds and then like their skull, like danger ratings. <laughs> you can go through this quick. There's like, there's the Titan of Peem from Ace Trucking who gets a four. Uh, Sag Belly, the man eating toad from the Judge Child Saga gets a three. Uh, the Hungry Planet also from the Judge Child Saga gets a two, which seems low to me because it's a giant planet that eats <laughs> spaceships. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Polax from Meltdown Man. For Meltdown Man gets a 1.5, which is an insult, I mean, frankly. Yeah, I, I, I read that. Really? Okay. Yeah, like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, like the Gronk gets a one, you know. <laughs> like, uh, Golgotha, um, grandson of Old One Eye from ABC Warriors, gets a 4.5. Yeah. Rex Peters from The Blood of Satanus gets a 2.5, and then Satanus himself gets a five. Yeah. Well, strong agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, like the Satanist clan, you gotta like respect those guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think Rex Peters is the sort of uh, uh, the one they don't talk about. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's the black sheep of the family for sure. Yeah. You know, he's got that human DNA. Like, you don't want to talk about that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, and that brings us to our final thrill, <laughs> thrill twenty-five, the Eraldi job. And, you know, when I asked you to be on this annual, or um, when I was thinking of asking you for these things, I was like, oh, man, I got to find a strong team dog thing right. for Steve, because whatever, it's on brand for him. But the only th the only strong team dog thing in all of the specials and annuals this year is this dang tech story <laughs> about <laughs> of strong team dog. And I was like, oh, man, this is just like saying someone like like someone's favorite food is going to be there. But it's like the version of that from like McDonald's. <laughs> or something like that. It's like, oh, jeez. I can't even remember whether I, I, I would have read this when I was a kid. I, you know, I, I was probably pretty much on, to a lot, on the same page as Fox about, you know, it's a comic, I want comics, this is text. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like, you know, sometimes I like read some of the word parts in these, in these annuals or like in the nerve center or something like that, and I feel like I'm the only person who's ever read it. <laughs> Because I feel I feel dedicated to do it, but it's also something that I know as a kid I would have like skipped through <laughs> or just looked at the pictures and sort of been like yeah. whatever, you know. Um, so the script robot for this is Chris Louder as JHT. The art robots uh, Chira Cusco Chirscaro. Yeah. Oh, it, it looks very Robin, Robin Smithy Smith. to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, it's a text story. Um, uh, there's, it's like a, it's told in first person from the perspective of someone who is like in a, you know, in a space saloon, um, hiding from Johnny and Wolf when they sort of barge in. Um, but then it turns out that he's actually an undercover agent and they're trying to catch like this other guy. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's the usual stuff. They don't really use a lot of time weaponry or anything like that, which is a bummer. I think the big high point is when a baddie removes his belt and it turns out to be a living, uh, a, a living, living deadly snake. snake. <laughs> Which is pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, because I mean, when I was reading it, you know, so, well, snake breeks, well, breeks the trousers in Scottish. Yeah. So, uh, oh. Snake, oh my snake god, trousers, it's like you know, it, it pretty much sets it up that there's going to be some 
or trouser snake. <laughs> that's just so even worse. Oh my god, oh, that's that's not appropriate. Come on, guys. <laughs> so I don't know whether this is him trying to sneak something in. Probably. I feel like it one hundred percent is. <laughs> Uh, but so, you know, it kind of, it ends with the big bad guy escaping and Johnny going after him because he doesn't like loose ends and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, it's just yeah, another yeah, one of these the, texts. The thing that uh, is, is weird is the, uh, the old dream weed. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, long diversions about future stuff in this in this story. It starts off, you know, they talk about how, like, the big bad guy can't be found because he's planted dream weed all around his base, which, like, causes hallucinations and is whatever led to the deaths of 80 strontium dogs and stuff. And then there's a big diversion about um, this, like, space gem that allows in, uh, faster than light travel in the strontium dog universe. And how, like, you know, like, one chip is worth, like, you know, a, a billion bucks. And this guy's got a bag of it. And everyone's like... A bag, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the, the, like the dreamweed sort of thing. It's it's a bit similar to uh, one of the sort of uh, the life and death of Johnny Alpha. There's a there's a place on there where the ta- everything shifts and they can't find it, and mm. you know, and it, it's got a similar sort of uh, similar yeah. sort of uh, sort of like vibe. So yeah, uh, it feels very. It, it feels almost kind of Chekhov's gunny almost, where they talk yeah. about this like hallucination weed, and then no one actually hallucinates from it. You know, <laughs> but yeah, it's, not, uh, it's no Dreamweaver. No Dreamweaver. Oh, now I got extra foley work to do. Ah, oh, curse you. <laughs> That's why I said. Anyhow. But with that, oh my God, Steve, we've finished all of the thrills for the 1984-2080 annual. Oh, thank you. Thank God. Man, this is a, a, a marathon of a show. It's super awesome. <laughs> like, this is going to be amazing. Um, but man, with all of this done, I feel like the only question remains, what were your top and bottom thrills for this annual? Uh, well, the, the, the top's an easy pick, and uh, I think that's the... Uh, Day in the Death of Torquemada. Nice. I thought, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Rubber Hunter's great, but uh, Kevin O'Neill on top form. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially because, uh, you know, I think at the time, like, Nemesis was sort of taking a break. And yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, bottom thrill. I was, I was going to say Bon Jo. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I think possibly Robusters, because I just, the art is so off. 2080 mm. sort of uh I, th- I think the story's fine but I, th- I think it annoys me more that you know it could have been a really good alan moore story and um i think i think it was a bit squandered with the art but. yeah i could see that yeah i just i feel like i don't have enough personal history with the thunderbirds for it to really yeah. like for it to really you know match with me you know it's one of these things where you know it's a reference-based story and if you don't really have the references then it loses a lot i think yeah but i think i think honorable mentions to the uh the Rogue Trooper story as well. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's good, but uh, you can you can definitely tell that uh, all the effort goes into the uh, into the dread uh, the, one, the, 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 dread, yeah. the dread annuals. You know, when you compare them side by side, even though these are these are more pages, aren't they? Yeah, this one has more, 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 more pages, but cheaper. Yeah, it's thirty more pages, but then like fifty pence cheaper, I think, or maybe like forty-five or something. Um, yeah, I think for me, I think my top. Um, I you know, I, I I love Nemesis as well. For me, it's either the Nemesis story or uh, Robo Hunter. I like Robo Hunter. I thought th- Robo Hunter was was pretty funny, and yeah. I like seeing uh, Hoagie out there and stuff, and it being in full color is really awesome. Mm. Um, I'd say for my bottom, I'm going to say Bonjo because I hate Bonjo quite a bit. <laughs> 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 and, 
<laughs> like it's just got like I got a lot of like big opinions about like sort of telling jokes in like comics and stuff and yeah. all, so many of these single pagers sort of come from a really smug place or something like that just something that makes me like not like them very much at all which yeah um, I think it's telling know. that they they sort of haven't really bothered doing any more like this yeah I think the you know the last one is like sooner or later which is which is it, its own thing of course um yeah that's really different from just sort of let's just have a page of uh, of humor stuff. Well, I mean, I guess like the droid stories in the modern prog are sort of a similar sort of yeah like, half well, a I mean, page of yeah, comedy thing. Like, you know, like a few panels in there. Yeah, and they're much less sort of trying to like break the fourth wall and have a and have a gag in every page in, in every panel and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a different they're, concept. They're just normally sort of like you know running up to some excruciating pun. Right. So. Hey, I'm I'm all in favor of that. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. Steve, what's the best place to find you online or to find your work, I guess? Uh, I mean, I guess sort of. I mean, it's uh, Steve D Green on, on on Twitter. Sort of D W E Green uh, on Twitter is probably the best place. I'm not really doing much of sort of like Facebook, so uh, mm-hmm. I'll probably post post anything sort of interesting sort of things on the, on on there. Uh, I'm very lax on the social media sort of side of things, to be honest. It's always <laughs> a challenge for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's very draining, indeed. So everybody should come back next time as uh, Sam Slade finishes his last case. Judge Dredd starts the graveyard shift, and Strontium Dog and Nemesis the Warlock return to 2000 AD should be amazing. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Steve, and we are Space Spinner 2000! Splundig for Thrig! Thrig! Thrig.